0: This is Bill Van Vagel from Phantom Galaxy Podcast here, inviting you all to have your senses challenged and your mind engaged. In Strange Frequencies, we discuss thought-provoking songs and mind-bending movies. That's Strange Frequencies, where the needle drops and the story begins. Welcome to Strange Frequencies, an offshoot of Phantom Galaxy, the crossroads where horror, science fiction, and fantasy meet. Well, today I'm joined, of course, as always, by Nathan Bartlebaugh. Nathan, how's your
1: day going? My day is awesome. I'm so excited to be back with uh, Strange Frequencies, and I'm really looking forward to tonight's topic and tonight's guest. Yes, so for
0: everybody who has been listening to this, we periodically do an episode here and there, and we try to pick a theme that kind of links loosely the songs with a movie that we always adjoin it with and seeing as it's february and it's the month of love D'Amour, <laughs> we thought we would try to mix it up but not go too much with the cheese not too much kenny rogers lady but at the same time try to make it fun and cool and link the movie with the music so the last episode we did of Halloween where we created our own playlist based on a cassette deck back in the 80s. I thought we would bring that back and everybody seemed to really like that and the audience feedback was great. And in order to get the gang back together, we had to get the gang. So the third member of this triumvirate is Mr. Ryan Stockstead. Ryan Stockstead hey. is is a podcaster, is a YouTube star, is a movie coming on actor. He's got lots of things in the works. We'll let him talk about it. He knows his music. He knows his fun. So, Ryan, welcome to the show.
2: <laughs> uh, thanks. Yeah, I'm glad to be here, too, just like Nathan. this is. It was a lot of fun doing the uh, the Halloween one. And uh, I was so thrilled when you, when you said, hey, we're going to do Valentine's Day. You want to pick some love songs? Yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, uh, Ryan, might I say... Has romantic music played a part in your life at all?
2: <laughs> Never, no, no, yeah, no, I, I, lo- I love love songs. I, um, I mean, I love music, you know, and uh, obviously there's um, plenty of uh, syrupy pop songs that don't mean anything to me, and I could care less about. But man, a good love song, yeah, I'm all for it.
0: So just to kind of lay the groundwork here, we're each going to choose five songs about love. Now, the beauty that when we were kind of discussing this was that you could use any interpretation or incarnation of love that kind of struck you. So it doesn't necessarily have to be a husband talking to his wife or two female lovers or a boyfriend and a girlfriend or what have you. It could be any form of love or any happening as a result of love being in the song. So, Nathan, when you think of the word love and song together, what kind of images pop into your head or what make you endear yourself to those particular songs?
1: Images. Images of love. We already wrecked it by saying that we couldn't talk about Lady by Kenny Rogers because that's it, right, in a nutshell. (laughs)
3: That's
0: Uh, it. No.
1: no. Well, it's interesting I was putting together this list. Like, Ryan, had a lot of fun uh, putting it together, and I I love all kinds of music, but I do love love songs. It's interesting, though, how I think – as i was putting this list together what love songs or what type of love song sort of uh kept coming to the foreground here you know i think if i had been asked to make this list uh 20 some years ago now some of those songs are still from that time frame i noticed there's a lot of uh like uh you know 1980s synth rock (laughs) that kept coming coming to the fore but i think there's a lot of i noticed that my concept of love songs now uh Deal a lot with a solidarity kind of songs, you know, like the you know I'm going to be there no matter what. I'll take out the trash and help you with the kids, you know. Versus those sort of like love is magical, love is you know, love is like oxygen. Well, <laughs> and and I a think little part, more concrete.
0: <laughs> I think part of it uh, with Ryan and you as well. We're at a certain stage of our life where we've been through various types of love. We've gone through the love. We've gone through the lust. We've gone through the loves of, of high school and university and things. And so we have a bit of a grander vision or just life experience that could be good. Sure. that could be bad, but you have some relatability to the songs. Would you agree, Ryan?
2: Yeah. Um, you, you actually raised kind of an interesting, this, this discussion is raising an interesting question for me because, um, Maybe for the listeners, also for myself, I'd, I'd be curious to know what, where, where are people at romantically? I mean, uh, I'm assuming we're not all in the same exact spot. Um, some of us are, I'm, I'm guessing some of us are married, some of us aren't, some of us are single, some of us are dating. What, what what's, uh, what's everyone's, uh, within what you're willing to say, <laughs> what's everyone's uh, status? Yes,
0: you could be in a friends with benefits situation. You could be in a hand solo situation. You could be (laughs) in a situation
1: where you're dating multiple people of various sexes. Sure,
2: absolutely.
1: I I swear I thought you said hands solo.
2: Well, well some of us a, might be in that too. Yeah. <laughs> I,
1: it was a play on words. <sighs> yeah, I thought so. It was a, a play. <laughs> anyway. Um well and I tried to take that in account, making the list was like, oh, there's, you know, you've got the the only thing I probably actually excluded from this particular list was uh the sort of like breakup song, <laughs> you know, because I was looking at it and I was like I don't want to. That feels like a whole different episode. So I, I
2: didn't, didn't. I didn't. I didn't put any of those on my on my uh, top five, but they're yeah. absolutely on my list. Like, um, yeah, you know, uh, uh, no, like uh, 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 Prince. Uh, Nothing compares to you, the Sinead O'Connor cover or the Prince version. Uh, I think it's one of the greatest love songs ever written, but it's absolutely like after the relationship has ended. You're right. Although not. Yeah. Yeah. And I had. Nothing compares is not
1: in the top five for me, but it's. Uh, and we can maybe talk about that later because it would definitely be a runner up. And I ha- I might have one in the top five that maybe almost, uh, uh, you know, applies for that. And nothing compares yeah. is is hard though because I think it is, it's the love song, but it's sort of the negative space, right? Like it's the thing yeah. that you don't have anymore. But
2: I, I'm just saying, I had a handful that I was like, oh, this is a breakup song, yeah. but but it's written it, from the point of view of.
1: The Cure's Pictures of You is kind of like that. Yeah.
2: Definitely yeah. The, the point of view of the of whoever wrote the song is, is still in love with the person who has uh, clearly left. Yeah. I had to next Joy Division's Love Will Tear Us Apart. Just saying. Nice.
0: <laughs> but it's funny because when we first came up with this topic, I threw it at Nathan and then I threw it at Ryan and everybody's really enthusiastic. And sometimes I have an overactive imagination and my brain you won't shut off so I have to get to sleep. And so I was literally just about to fall asleep. And my wife, Jen, is like, what the hell are you doing moving around in bed? And
1: I had my, I, I had
0: Han my, solo. Solo. <laughs> no, it wasn't one of those situations. Okay. I, I ran into a situation where I was kind of felt like a singer. Because singers often will have or songwriters will have a little pad beside their bed in case thoughts pop into their head. So I roll over and I go to I elbow Jen in the back and I say, Where's there a damn pen? Because all these songs started popping in my head. Yeah,
2: yeah. Yeah.
0: So here it is, eleven forty-five. I gotta get up in five hours and I'm writing down these songs. And one of the ones that I thought of that I ultimately scratched off my list for the exact reason you guys said about the negativity and the breakup was I had ACDC's ride on <laughs> on my list. Cause it's, you know, love is over, huh? On to the next one. But then I started thinking there's not even any love involved in that song. Mm. Like he, he's <laughs> just him. leaving. He's he's <laughs> just a he's just a jerk. And he knows he's a jerk, you know? So but I left it completely open. Or we left it completely open. Any any type of love be at high school. I mean, we're not going to be, I don't think anybody chose Paul Anka's puppy love or something, but that would qualify <laughs> or anything. I got, I got some
2: to, teen, uh, excuse me, I got some teen love on my list. Teen Ooh. love,
0: but are, are we talking 1950s? Uh, we close.
2: should just get rolling. We should get okay, going. Okay, we should get going.
0: <laughs> okay. So before we <laughs> yeah, reveal good, good anything point, else,
1: sorry.
0: <laughs> yeah, before before we reveal anything else, uh, everybody's going to get the chance to go around the, around the horn. One, two, three. And we'll go until we filled up our mixtape. Because in the old days, a mixtape was 12 to 15 songs. So that will be about this. And probably each of our songs are probably not on the longest side. So they're probably three to four minute little ditties. So this is going to be fun. Because each of us kind of take our own spin on the love song. And so, Ryan, why don't you open up with your fifth, or it doesn't even have to be in order any one of your songs?
2: Yeah, I'll go in order. I, 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 I've ranked them. Um, we're going to start with five and work our ways. To number one with my list. <laughs> um, well, I'm, uh, I'm going to start in the seventies, um, with a singer who I absolutely adore. We'll see how you guys feel. Um, but the, one of the reasons I picked it was because, um, you know we have a lot of horror fans in the show, right? We all like horror movies. Absolutely. Um, this song is um, really owes its success to its placement in a well. Let's say, let's call it horror adjacent. It is a uh, a thriller. It is definitely the closest thing to horror that Clint Eastwood ever did, and the movie mm-hmm. is called "Play Misty for Me." Oh yeah, I, I saw song- that not that long ago. There you go. All right. So you, you know it. Uh, and the song is called The First Time Ever I Saw Your Face by Roberta Flack. Beautiful song. Absolutely beautiful. Great um, choice. Yeah. Roberta Flack is probably best known for um, her number one singles, Killing Me Softly, with his song, uh, Feel Like Making Love, uh, the duet she did with, and I forget the guy's name, uh, The Closer I Get to You um but she had a monster hit with this one but the interesting thing about this song is that she actually released it in 1969 and it did nothing it it didn't chart nothing nothing at all and um clint eastwood heard it and he was making the movie and he called her up out of the blue and apparently he said uh uh i want to use that i want to put it i want to use it as the love scene i want to have a romantic you know the 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 most romantic moment in the movie is going to be to this song and she said great uh let me re-record it because it's too slow and he said no, it's perfect. <laughs> and he was right because uh, it then became a monster hit in 1972 or 73, whenever that was. Uh, it also resulted in a world record because um, she won a Grammy that year, 1972 or 73, whatever it was. And the following year, she won a Grammy. Uh, this is the first person, Roberta Flack was the first person to win a Grammy for Record of the Year in back to back years. Uh, first for. Uh, um, the first time I ever saw your face, and then the next time for killing me softly, and uh, that feat was not rep- report eh, that feat was not repeated until you too did it nearly thirty years later. So I thought that was pretty fascinating. Um, the success of the song prompted Elvis to cover it on his 1972 album Elvis Now, and you should avoid that; it's horrible. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a good cover. <laughs> uh, and speaking of covers, I should mention that uh, the song was actually originally written by Ewan McCall for Peggy Seeger um, in the late 50s. And they were lovers uh, who were later married and um, uh, Roberta Flack uh, essentially slowed it down and uh, sl- slowed it down considerably and uh, really made it her own. And I think her version is the definitive version. So.
3: The
2: first time
0: Well, that's a great choice, Ryan. That's a fantastic, it's a deep, soulful song that I wouldn't want sped up, to
2: be honest. No, no. It's I've listened to a lot of versions of it over the years. And um, it's not as good when it's sped up. And it's absolutely gorgeous the way she does it. I mean, she kind of specialized in achingly slow covers of yeah. hit love songs, because she also did um, uh, Bridge Over Troubled Water this way, very slow. Uh, she did Just Like a Woman. Uh, she did "To Love Somebody," the the the, the Bee Gees song. Uh, she did Leonard Cohen's "Suzanne." Yeah, um, she really? did the Sherelles hit um, uh, "Will Will You Love Me Tomorrow." Uh, she did Buffy Saint Marie's song uh, "Until It's Time for You to Go." So she did a lot of these. Um, you know, that was sort of her thing was to do these slowed down versions of these beautiful hit love songs, and uh, all of her versions I think are fantastic yeah and you know i it's
1: uh the, the her her slowed down versions of them are like really good and i feel like the, some of the best covers i've heard of some of her songs uh were done by johnny cash later when he did that album the end of the one where he covered hurt i can't think of the title of it right all now. the he american did, anthologies well he did a cover he had a whole album of covers and he covered uh both uh, the first time ever I saw your face Ambridge over trouble waters. And they were hmm. both done in the Roberta Flack style because that's Johnny cash style
2: too. Yeah. Yeah. And
1: slower. Even I might add, I think that he slowed it down even <laughs> a touch more, but they're, they're very beautiful uh, renditions. It's, it's letting that those emotions linger, which I
2: like. I was going to mention, uh, uh, I guess we'll dive into the song in a second anyway, but um, lyrically I, it's just gorgeous. Yeah. Um, the lyrics start off with the first time ever I saw your face. I, I thought the sun rose in your eyes and the moon and the stars were the gifts you gave to the dark and endless skies. Oof. I mean, that's just, that's just gorgeous. (laughs) I mean,
0: you you get the impression she's literally talking to the love of her life, laying there in bed and just spewing her heart out to the guy. Yeah. And, and you can really feel the soul the the emotion, the, you know, it's, it's not one of those, you know, flippant line, throwaway lines, like she's giving. Right. it. So well, I, I'm a like. huge
2: fan of hers. And like, for, for those who might be, um, you know, maybe there's people who are hearing this song for the first time, or maybe they've only heard the hits or whatever. I, I would urge you to dive into her catalog. Um, she, she did a lot of love songs. Um, she also did some gospel, uh, which is less interesting to me. You know, love songs to Jesus are sort of like funny to me more than anything, but, um, but her voice is so great. Um, And, 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 and the other thing she did so well, um, she did a lot of um, black power music, you know, songs of revolution and black power and, and talking about the black struggle in, in the 60s and 70s. And that stuff is just gold. So if, if, you, uh, if you like what you hear on this one, definitely check her out.
0: Well, Ryan, you got us off to an incredible start. That was a great song. Nathan now I know we were chatting back and forth as you were doing your list and you were kind of humming and hawing over some
1: what do you have for number five
0: <laughs>
1: yeah well, this is where that great soulful start gets kind of like blah, <laughs> falls off a cliff uh into a giant puddle of like you know again 80 synth rock but uh, for no so again i I tried this uh this concept of songs where you have the songs that are about love or about the feeling of being in love and then there are also songs of okay what about someone who maybe uh, wants to be in love but isn't yet but is hopeful for that kind of experience things like that so yeah my number five is a song that is just sort of purely fluffy and airy I think on one level but it kind of exhibits to me the hopefulness that you have for a relationship but it's not here yet uh it's a song called heartbeats accelerating it was written originally uh done by uh katie ann mcgarigle the mcgarigle sisters in like 1990 but i think it's most well known uh linda ronstadt did a cover of it like two or three years later in 1993 uh are you guys familiar with the song at
2: all i might be but it doesn't it doesn't come to mind maybe i'd have to hear it
1: yeah heartbeats accelerating is the title uh the the refrain is "Love, love, where will you? Where can you be? Are you out there looking for me?" And it's uh, and it says "Love, I'm waiting." So it's it's sung in this way. It has by the McGarrigals, when they do it. It has a kind of lilting, sort of Irish, sort of jig feel to it uh, underneath it. Yeah. Again, it's very whimsical. Linda Ronstadt's version downplays that maybe a little bit. I like the McGarrigals version better. Love,
3: love, where can you be? Are you out there looking for me? Love, love, where can you be? Love, I am waiting. Heartbeats accelerating. Will you come when all is still? From the river off.
1: Just a very fun it, it's a song I remember hearing at a point when I wasn't necessarily even looking for a relationship but it ha- it has that sort of you know uh th- there is something out there for me and maybe I haven't found it yet but I'm still I'm still here <laughs> I'm still uh I'm still looking and it has uh it, it's got a, a a very pleasant quality to it that I really enjoy now why would it make the top list I think it's just that it embodies that concept of 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 a hopefulness through love, whether you're in a relationship or not in a relationship, but that there's always the possibility of it there. Uh, just a fun song, I think. In in both iterations, uh, a light, airy song, and it might be you know, it might be one of those uh, you know, help boost your mood if if maybe. <laughs> Instead of listening to a bunch of breakup songs after a after a broken relationship, <laughs> throw on heartbeats accelerating and maybe try to you know, it's a half glass a glass half full kind of deal. So it's nice. it's
0: an inspirational hopeful song.
1: It is. It is. It's and it, it, it's just fun. So, uh, it's a song I can see some people rolling their eyes to, and there's some people I can I can see listening to it and saying, "Hey, this is good." No matter where you are in the love spectrum, this is a fun way to think about it.
0: That's awesome. I'm going to have to check that out. I don't, I don't know it. I don't know all of Linda Ronstadt's catalog. So that's one that has evaded me. So Uh, thanks for that one, Nathan. Well, for my number five was one that I knew I wanted to get on the list right away, but I had to try to figure out where to position it and kind of how to describe it. And I think this is one that might end up on one of Ryan's Spotify lists because I don't think it's been on one of his. And this is a Canadian singer. And I didn't choose it because he's Canadian. I chose it because the song is strong. uh, I don't know if either of you two are familiar with the singer-songwriter Bruce Coburn.
2: Yeah.
1: Yep. um.
0: Bruce Coburn did the song Lovers
2: in a Dangerous Time, which I love and actually was on one of my recent mixes. Oh, was it? Oh, (laughs) wow. It was either on one of my recent mixes or it's going on one of my recent mixes. So if this is your song, then absolutely it's going to show up on one of my mixes. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Lovers in a Dangerous Time is one, it came out in 84. In August of 84, it hit number 25 on the Canadian charts in August of 84. And in 2005, on the CBC Radio 1, was named the number 11 Canadian song of all time. Wow. It's a song about lovers who are kind of doing their thing without the permission of society. They're kind of going outside of the norm, but they are clandestine to become lovers and live their life together. Or are they? One of the stanzas is... A later verse says... Now, that obviously means people are coming together and they love each other so much. They're willing to risk it all and literally fight for their love. Now, what does that interpret to, though? So I went to Wikipedia. I had my own interpretation of it. It, There is one expression of it that it's just kids in a schoolyard showing their love for one another. And they're teenagers and the parents don't want it to happen. And that's kind of the way the song goes down. Now, the other uh, part of it is, was it something during the Cold War where people on different sides of the Cold War couldn't get together? There's also, this came out at the time just as the emergence of the HIV and the AIDS crisis. And there's that interpretation. What I always thought the song was about, and most people probably don't realize that they don't know Bruce Coburn, Bruce Coburn was an outed homosexual. He wasn't afraid to say so. And so I always thought it was a song about gay love. Any way you cut it, it's just people who have to fight their way to show their love and to get together with each other. And it's a great little song. It was later done by the Bare Naked Ladies. Stephen Page, whenever he's in concert, always does the song it was the very first Bare Ladies song I knew of. They came out with this before any of their songs on Gordon. So they, Bruce Coburn has brought out Stephen Page before on concert. There's YouTube clips of him. They do a good version, but theirs is uh, a tempo higher. Theirs is a faster version. Bruce Coburn's is a bit of a slow and a brooding version of the song. So if anybody's never heard Lovers in a Dangerous Time by Bruce Coburn, I think it's worth your while.
2: Yeah, great, great song. Um, I just double checked, and I definitely put it on a one of my playlists uh, at the, towards the end of the last year. So um, there you go. Uh, and
0: what what made you want to put it on your playlist?
2: Oh, I just love the song. I just think it's a beautiful song. Um, uh, if I if I take a second here, I might be able to <laughs> figure out which playlist it is, but uh, I'll, I'll figure it out later and tell you. But <laughs> um, no, it's it's just I don't know. It's a great song. It just uh, these playlists tend to be songs that, uh, I'm just listening to at the moment, you know, yep. and then I sort of, um, mix them all together and whatever flows and sounds good. And so at some point last year, it's just a song that, uh, landed in my life. And I, and I, I already knew the song, but got and into anybody, a cycle of listening to it. And there it went. I was
0: going to say, if anybody likes Bruce Coburn, his follow up song or one that came out shortly thereafter is called, if I had a rocket launcher,
2: Okay, I don't know. And
0: if, if I had a rocket launcher, is a very uh, anti-company, uh, corporate, let's save the environment. And at one point he says, if I had a rocket launcher, some son of a bitch would die. Mm. So he's very big into the environment. He's very big into minority causes. He's very big as a humanitarian. So all of his songs sing with emotion. There's no fluff. But there's no Beatles "Love, Love Me Do" in Bruce Coburn's catalog.
2: Right, right. So
0: uh, Nathan, you said you were familiar with the song.
1: Yeah, it's a great song, and uh, and that was everything you've said about it, I think, is kind of spot on. It's it's very soulful and heartfelt. I think. Uh, and uh, and yeah, it's just a great song. And I was I was not familiar with the, the bare naked ladies version, but. Uh, it, it probably that would, uh, their version of it, I'm sure, uh, probably ma- makes it one of their more meaty songs. <laughs> I'll leave it at that. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. definitely.
0: <laughs> oh, you mean the theme to big bang theory isn't meaty? Oh, <laughs> Alrighty. So we're off to number five. So number four, Ryan, what you got next on the charts?
2: Oh, number four, we are heading to Britain. Uh, and we don't are heading- the, please
0: don't make it be downtown. <laughs>
2: uh, no, it's not. Um, although I like that song, <laughs> I don't know. we do too. We, uh,
0: <laughs> yeah, we like it. We just we've heard a lot of it lately.
2: Oh, okay. Now we're heading to Britain, and uh, we're heading to the, uh, the late '80s, and we're gonna get ourselves some uh, some synth pop here. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, I want to hear some Erasure, and I uh, the song that I picked is off of their third album, 1988, The Innocence. And the song is called Chains of Love. It was uh, uh, the song that really cemented them as uh, superstars in, uh, um, in their in their native land and uh, also broke them through on the charts in the United States. And uh, The Innocence was their um, highest-selling album. I think it probably still is. Um, but certainly at the time it was. Lyrically, uh, the song asks, How can I explain... When there are so when there are few words i can choose how can i explain when words get broken and it goes on to say come to me cover me hold me together we break these chains of love come to me, come. about this song is that it's a love song for anyone in an unconventional romance, where the, the standard definition of love, uh, be it a expectation imposed by society uh, or the church uh, or someone's family or whatever, uh, doesn't apply. So it's a song for anyone who finds it difficult to define the feelings that he or she has for another person. It's also a celebration of love conquering boundaries, labels, limits, or whatever. Uh, it's a declaration. It's, excuse me. It's also a declaration of emancipation uh, from limiting concepts of what is acceptable in love and sex. Um, much like "Love Is the Law" by the Suburbs, the song has become something of a gay anthem. Uh, it celebrates love in all of its differences and beauty. Uh, but it, it, and also like uh, "Love and the Love," eh, excuse me, and also like "Love is the Law." It's just makes you feel good. It just makes you want to sing and dance, and uh, uh, you know, scoop up that special someone in your arms. Um, I like the song because it's pro gay, it's pro body, it's pro kink, it's pro humanity, and uh, I thought that uh, it really deserved a spot in, well, really any mixed playlist that values the right to love whoever we want. And since uh, this is my five, I figured I should pick one like that.
0: (laughs) Perfect. I remember when Erasure and all of them came out in the late eighties, mid to late eighties. And it takes me back to about grade eight, grade nine and all the guys in my section that I hung with, or I actually, I didn't hang with the cool kids were into their new order. They were Erasure they're Depeche Mode. I was still back in my AC/DC, Led Zeppelin days. Sure. So at that point, it it didn't connect with me. But it's one of those things where when you go back now as a mature adult and listen to it, and oh, yeah. you know what? They were pretty damn good. I, I mean, I had the same thing way back in the day with uh, all the Seattle bands, uh, Soundgarden and Nirvana. I wasn't swept up with them. But then at, you go back and you look at them, you go, boy, were they ahead of the curve? They're you know they're pretty good. And I know the song, you know, they're beautiful songs. And it's one of those things where, you know, in retrospect, I should have liked them more when they were current than I do now.
2: Yeah. I, uh, uh, I've, I've really always liked them, but, um, I, I don't know their whole catalog. I don't know their whole body of work. Um, so I'm still discovering stuff. And, um, just last month, um, somebody on my Facebook feed played, the music video for love to hate you have, have you guys either of you guys seen this video
1: yes yeah
2: my god that that is like the coolest fucking video i've ever seen i <laughs> yes. was just like where have you been my whole life uh uh so somehow i had never heard that song i or maybe i had but i definitely had not seen the video and so they still have the power to just kind of you know stop me in my tracks
1: they always have cool weird videos um it's strange. I think I discovered Erasure. I'd heard Chains of Love, but I think the first time I really uh, became aware of them was in the like early mid nineties. They had a song called Always, which is yeah. just wild. <laughs> it's it's definitely one of those sort of experiential. It's a it's a crazy, wild song, and it it definitely feels very flamboyant as a song. And the vi- the video is very strange too. It's like pulling from like Kabuki theater and like oh. old silent films. It's uh, you know they. Um, there were definitely some of those music video uh, music videos back in the day that the images were married with the song lyrics, you know, like you hear it and you always remember that, but uh, always is one of those songs. And, and this song too, that you, that you chose, I love Erasure. I think they're, they're very cool. And they're always, they always have that sort of breaking the boundaries sort of perspective. And I remember hearing that they were doing an interview with the, the lead singer and he was talking about that, you know, that again, that growing up, gay and not knowing exactly where you are going to fit in that when you have this opportunity to kind of like be a voice that you're going to be as much of a voice for everybody as you as you can be you know and i think that comes through because their music is so it's it's like singular but it's hard to pin down right it's never you you can't easily say oh it's about this it's about this kind of relationship it's about this kind of thing and that's what's so appealing to me in their their music
2: I think they were masters at that. I think they were masters yeah. of of they would have a subtext or they have something that was personal to them and yet they would still make it accessible. So you could be, I mean, not that like some, you know, racist redneck hick in the middle of like, you know, nowhere would like necessarily relate to the song or like it, but at the same time like you don't have to be in the same um uh exact um situation as and i'm forgetting the, the the singers names now the the band members names i'm forgetting who they are their names but um you don't have to be necessarily in their exact same uh, mindset of what they were coming from when they wrote it because they somehow make it accessible you know and uh there is room for interpretation in their work and i think that's intentional i think they want it to be like they're they're when i said pro humanity earlier like i think that is um really one of their strong suits you know, they, they are embracing the human experience.
1: And it's way. stripping things down to a true universal universality. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's the idea that like this is this is without any of the quantifiers or the qualifiers.
2: Yeah, yeah. And that, and, not, and not and not to take away from like, you know, it being uh celebrated as a gay anthem. I think that's yeah. absolutely um it, it should be. Um, I think that's but, how
1: it came to be celebrated yeah. in a
2: sense, you know, that yeah.
0: Yeah. And I can distinctly remember grade nine dances in the gym. You know, you're kind of awkward. You're trying to find a girl to dance with. You're giggling with your buddies in the corner. Erasure was always played mm. at, at the high school dances. Like, like it's just good mood music.
2: Yeah. Absolutely. So it's not
0: necessarily one that'll get people on the dance floor, but it'll get a, people in a good enough mood that they want to, you know, do something.
2: I have a different mem- uh, memory of Erasure with a dance floor. And that is, uh, I worked at a bondage club. Hey, um, um, a nightclub that was bondage themed, I should say. They seem
1: perfect for that.
2: Absolutely. And, um, <laughs> I mean, I would say I heard a racer every week at the club, you know, and, and of course it was a crowd pleaser. I mean, the crowd loved it. So think, and it's, uh, it's the kind of thing where you can be, uh, listening to chains of love and still be chained up a little bit. That's <laughs> good.
0: True. But like a healthy kink, like nobody's getting hurt. You know, we're not talking. Saw course, here, but no, no, We're not talking. <laughs> saw, no. I don't think, yeah. <laughs> Well, thanks for that, Ryan. That was awesome. That went to a thought-provoking conversation. I didn't think we'd be getting into. <laughs> so, uh I'll wait till he gets na- my number two. <laughs> oh
2: boy, <laughs> I can't
0: wait. Uh Nathan, what do you got next, buddy?
1: Number four. Okay, so number four is a uh, a song that's it, we we head back into what I talked about—the sort of solidarity <laughs> love songs, songs that uh, that I think are based around. Uh, a love that's a little bit more than maybe just an emotion or a feeling but uh you know that that kind of the rubber meets the road sort of of songs this uh the song is have a little faith in me it's originally written by john hyatt in uh 19 it was on his 1987 album and uh have you guys heard this song before you probably heard some variation of it i'm pretty
2: sure i have yeah not sure not sure
1: yeah, it's been done tons of times. It shows up in lots of movies, from uh, like Look Who's Talking Now, Phenomenon. I I, I want to say that Jewel may have done a cover of it for Phenomenon, which was the uh, uh, John Travolta movie. And yeah. uh, it lo- lo- shows up lots of different places. I think even Mandy Moore did a cover of it. But a uh, Hyatt's, and, and actually, um, yeah, all kinds of John, Joe Cocker did a version of it that's probably closest to uh, Hyatt's version. And Have a Little Faith in Me is a song that, like, Hyatt, he wrote it shortly after he was uh, sober from drugs and alcohol, which, like, the that alcoholic phase had, had resulted in his marriage sort of falling apart. He also, his record labels were kind of letting him go. And so uh, the song itself is, I think, a, a a love song. It isn't just about, hey, you know, it's not a give me another chance song. But it's uh, it's interesting because he's, he was writing it. He was having all kinds of technical issues as he was trying to get the uh, the the accompaniment, the musical accompaniment right. And it just didn't work out. And the next morning, he, he was actually told that the, his wife, who he was estranged from, had committed suicide the next day.
3: Oh, and uh, so
1: he went back, restructured the thing, and did a much simpler piano accompaniment to it, and kind of broke it down. And it, it, the song that results is this very sort of simple, uh, starts gentle and sort of picks up some momentum. And it's really a song that's, uh, it's kind of a commitment song. It's, it's, it's not have a little faith in me, like take another chance on me, but it's have a little faith in me, uh, because this is what I commit to you. This is what I commit. And so I think the song is not a, uh, it's not a, Hey, I'm going to take care of all this, but it's an anthem about sort of, Uh, that love is something that may go through ups and downs, but it, it, it can come through the other side. He can conquer things. When the road
3: gets dark And you can no longer see Just let my love throw a spark And have a little faith in me
1: And the song goes like goes through these various uh, repetitions of these things.
3: And when your back's against the wall just turn around and you you will see I will catch you, I will catch you, far, baby. Just have a little faith in me.
1: It's this gentle back and forth that kind of builds uh to a crescendo where you where the speaker is 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 gaining some confidence where the love is sort of uh gained some momentum. And by the end, uh it gets very soulful, it's a very bluesy kind of song. Uh, and I think that's what has lent it to being sort of redone and 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 cover particularly in a lot of movies uh, sort of it it's it's been used a lot maybe regret regrettably so in some cases (laughs) it's sort of a montage song where you want to get across the feeling that uh, oh this is the moment when the whatever love scenario you're talking about it's a moment where uh, the walls have come down and now they're ready to kind of put some trust in the other person but I think the way that Hyatt writes it and sings it I think he still has the best version because there is a kind of broken soulfulness to it but again the thing about the song is it has a positive momentum it's about uh there are the shadows maybe of failure but they don't show up in this song the song is sort of about a recommitment it's about a a rekindling of a fire which i think is is a is a cool thing to have in a song and it strips away any direct emphasis to things being wrong before and so um i think it's a great song i highly recommend it if you've not heard it uh and I think that Hyatt's version is the best, most soulful. Uh, but there are versions all over the place. So if you don't like that one, there there are probably like twenty others that you can you can hear.
0: Great. That's awesome. I was gonna say John Hyatt's got a really distinctive voice.
1: He does, yeah. Um and and, and he he's done great work. I've I've seen him I saw him once at a uh At a like a blues festival not too far from here, uh, about six or seven years back, he's a great singer songwriter. I, I singer songwriter, and he's got
0: quite. He has a very familiar cadence to his songs, and he's I think one of the great unsung storytellers of uh, singers out there. And he will pop up on my list later. Oh, very
1: cool, nice,
0: but cool. It kind of in an under, I wouldn't say underhanded, in an. (laughs) <laughs> under a, an unassuming okay type of thing so yeah i i like john hyatt john hyatt's one of those people you can just put on the background when you're you know washing the car or whatever you're doing and he'll get you through ryan do you have any input about this song
2: i i'm not sure i know it i mean i, I definitely have heard it i mean i've seen uh i've seen the uh, phenomenon or whatever um can't say I remember Jules version of the song, but, uh, yeah, I, I'm going to have to dive into it later. You know, for those at home, you know, uh, I'm sure you're hearing pieces of the music, maybe underneath us talking or you, you hear it after we talk, but, um, we're not hearing it. <laughs> so it, if we're recording it, I don't, I don't know. I got to hear the song. <laughs> I'm not sure. I know it
0: <laughs> could could be a playlist song.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna, I'm, I'm writing down all of these so I can make sure to listen later.
0: <laughs> Alrighty. So I'll take my number four and, this is one. Anybody that knows me who's listening to me for long enough, what do you think of Bill for music? Rock and roll, heavy metal, occasionally some blues. No, no, no. This breaks all those stereotypes. Oh. I, have no, I have no shame loving this song. Anything worth listening to is worth listening to. And I found this one because I had initially done my list, and then I, then my, the only research that I did was I went through my Spotify playlist. Sure. And this one came up really at the beginning. I'm like, oh, I got to get this on. <clears throat> and that is the crooner, Andy Williams singing Happy Heart.
2: <laughs> I love Andy I, Williams, actually. I actually do really I like do him. I too, yeah. I, I, I
0: love this song. And Jen calls me a 69-year-old man. I don't care. Yeah. I, I like the song. Happy Heart. It's a really peppy song, but it's deep. It's a little a little surfacy, but at the same time, once you get the song in your head, it doesn't escape very easily. And for those of you who think that, you know, this these songs that I'm talking about, you'd think it's like early 50s, mid-50s, Paul Anka. This was 1969. Yeah. And it hit number 22 in April of 69. It was also released at the very same time by Petula Clark. Uh But Tula Clark's version only hit number 62. (laughs) And it was actually done before them by Nick DeCaro, who did an instrumental version on the piano of Happy Heart. But this could be a song that could be in any Frank Sinatra movie. This is a song that could be in a contemporary movie. If, you know, like somebody's getting dressed up for a fancy dinner and you have this song going on in the background, Here's just a, a, a little bit of what the lyrics are like. Feeling more
3: and more like I've never felt before. You have changed my life so completely. Half I'm home now with your love.
0: <laughs> but it's a, it's a great little tune. It, like It's one that I could hear played with an orchestra or somebody who's got some oomph to them and they're trying to impress, off, impress the audience with their voice. Happy Heart, yeah. it's just a fun song. I don't know what, if you guys ever heard of it or what have you.
2: Yeah, I've definitely heard it. I've definitely heard
1: it. It's a totally, uh, it's a lovely song,
2: yeah. Yeah, okay. good. Yeah, good, it's a good, good one. You,
0: I guarantee once this comes on, you'll be, damn it, Bill, I'm toe-tapping this Andy Williams song, you know. Yep. Get your sweaters out, boys and girls. Andy <laughs> Williams is coming. <laughs> Andy Williams
2: is coming. <laughs> uh, Ryan, what do you got for number three? Um, well, uh, I'm going to go with, uh, earlier I mentioned that, uh, um that i had some teen romance on my list well we're there (laughs) uh i'm going with one of the uh if not the greatest girl group of the 60s the shangri las Ah, and i want to say um mary weiss the lead singer i want to say she was 15 when she did this i might be wrong on that i didn't double check this but um but uh, she was young. She was, a, she was a teenage girl when she did this song. And this song, even to, to this day, I, I just think it is just so delightful and so charming and so wonderful. The song is uh, Give Him a Great Big Kiss. And it contains <laughs> one of pop music's all-time great intros. When Shangri-La's front woman and all-around badass, Mary Weiss, <laughs> blurts out, When I say I'm in love, you best believe I'm in love, L-U-V. That's how you start a song. (laughs) (laughs) And then it kicks in. And, uh, you know, this is like a two-minute song. I mean, it's over before it begins. And it doesn't waste a second. The song is constructed around a girl telling her friends about her new boy toy.
3: What color are his eyes? I don't know. He's always wearing shades. Is he tall? Well, I gotta look up. Yeah, yeah. well, I hear he's bad. Uh, he's good bad, but he's not evil. Oh,
2: and boy. then it ends with, uh, well, how does he dance? And with all sincerity, she gets close to the mic and she says, Close. Very, very close. <laughs> <laughs> I love this song so much. It just fills me with joy. It's just unbelievably cool. Funny cute and it just makes me happy every time uh so i wanted to have something that 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 kind of filled that that sort of side of of love songs and um it, it just, i just couldn't think of a better one than this this is just too good and
0: And, and Ryan, do you know offhand, did the song chart?
2: I, I know it was the b side. I believe it did chart interestingly enough, but it was it was the b side um to another another to, to whatever another song. Um, I'm not I'm not 100 percent sure. I mean, it's one of their best known songs for sure. but you know, of course, um you know I'm a big fan of punk music and and spoiler alert. I didn't pick any punk rock love songs for this. Um, I, I wanted to, if, if this had been a top 10, there'd be at least two, <laughs> but spoiler alert, um, this song has been referenced and covered by other punk bands. Like, like Johnny thunders does a version of Johnny Thunder does a version of this song. Um, the, uh, um, uh, the New York dolls, uh, reference that intro on, I think two of their songs, um, I feel like it might be in trash, which is one of my favorite punk rock love songs. Um, But uh, anyway, but bottom line is uh, uh, for, for a a sixties girl group, it it, uh, it's beloved by the punks and it's beloved by me as well.
0: (laughs) Awesome. And I think we could probably do an episode just on Motown girls bands that could do love songs.
2: Yeah, yeah. Because,
0: I mean, you got the Shangri-Las, you got the Ronettes, you know, yeah. Be My Baby. You could do the Supremes, You Keep Me Hanging On. You could do endless songs from the Motown-inspired bands that are of a love nature. And most of them are almost always upbeat.
1: Yes, my yeah. wife would be thrilled if that had. She would probably want to come on and do the episode, too. Yeah, that'd be... <laughs> uh,
0: because, and none of them are more than about three minutes. You know, right. they're quick radio songs. But they're almost always peppy, and you're dancing to it. You don't even realize it's a love song. It just kind of catches you up
2: in it, which well, is what and, I love about it. And even though, like, yeah, they're all upbeat. Um, I will say this: the Shangri La's a lot of their best stuff is actually downbeat. You know, they they dealt. It was, they did. They liked that teen melodrama stuff. So, Leader yeah. of the Pack, and um, uh, now I'm blanking on the name, but. Um, they all they sound have. upbeat, but their content is not always upbeat. Yeah. Sometimes they sound downbeat too. I'm just blanking on the. Um, yeah, like remember walking in the sand? That's pretty downbeat. <laughs> um, uh, is it past, present, and future, or out out in the streets? Those I, one of those is also kind of like somber. Um, but yeah, anyway.
0: I mean, we're, I don't think we're quite going Sam Cook somber, but no <laughs> but uh yeah no i get it i they, get it they, I, you
2: know it they, they was part of that whole girl group thing uh to do melodrama you know you gotta have you gotta have a dead boyfriend in there you gotta you gotta have a broken heart someone yes, left you yes and, you know
0: yeah you know it, it's kind of like that country adage yeah but but yeah my dad told me years ago he went and saw the supremes at toronto's maple leaf gardens when uh diana ross was at her peak and he i kind of surprised because my dad's usually a rock and roller, but he goes, no, Bill, back then everybody wanted to see them regardless. You know, like there are certain bands that you saw, you know, everybody liked CCR, everybody liked the Beach Boys, everybody liked. So the Motown sound definitely had a place in society and a strong place in society. Did For you
1: sure. have anything
0: to add to that, Nathan?
1: No, except that to say that this particular song, uh, the Shangri-La is the one that, that you picked, um, Ryan you had sent me your list yesterday and I saw the song pop up and I immediately put it on for my family to listen to and they yes. they loved it, and they loved that interaction uh where she's talking and you know <laughs> and it's and, and without realizing how 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 much bigger of a thing that would have been at the time this song was released and, and what exactly yeah. is going on. And it's, uh, it's still very cool. It's still just a very cool song. I mean, I think that's what I, that's one of the things I was having an issue with is going through my list is like, wow, you know, you want these songs that proclaim love is this great thing, but it's like so many of my songs are just like, it's fun. This is, these are songs yeah. that I, that that are fun. Like if I, if I'm in love, this song kind of evokes that a little bit It's a fun, silly, I don't take myself too seriously kind of way. That's how I am. So
2: yeah yeah and, and 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 it's not just the back and forth with them asking questions it's also the whole thing where he's like she says, she says something like um in the song give him a great big kiss Moi! and she does yeah, like a kiss yes. noise and like <laughs> like it's it's the whole thing is just so goofy that's the interactivity so cool. the part where it's like yeah, yeah there's but
0: can there's, you imagine like if you see them in concert they play 15 songs and they're done in 45 minutes
1: Yes, <laughs> and, yeah and almost nobody those... no like america american music wise nobody like it, it, you do see some of the stuff pop up in like in in punk songs for sure but you don't see it a lot in like the mainstream love songs like, they don't do stuff like this anymore but you know who still right. does this kind of stuff korea <laughs> yes yeah, they, they, yeah 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 <laughs> <laughs> they've they've yeah, taken they take that it. and carried it and they are still carrying it <laughs> yeah, they I take that it. little bit
0: of the beatles the little bit of the motown and they yeah. kind of make it their own Alrighty, well, Nathan, thanks for that, Ryan. That was a great one. Uh, Nathan, what do you got coming up next?
1: So we're number three, right? Number three, number three. So to to keep going with the uh, the girl bands and the kind of just fun songs, uh, that uh, mine is an '80s song, and the, the the singer is a lead was the lead singer for a girl Band. she was not. Uh, she's solo in this, but this is a. This is Belinda Carlisle's uh Heaven is a place on earth mm, which nice. Ooh,
3: heaven is a Yes. Place I on went back
1: earth. and forth and my wife says no. I know you this is <laughs> your kind of song. This will be on this list and if you don't put it on there you're basically a poser. Like you're not you're not being true to yourself regardless of how many eye rolls it gets. And I was like okay, yeah, it's a fair point. I yeah, they I'm not even going to read these lyrics cuz it's not like they're <laughs> profound or amazing. They're not deep. They're, they're not, not deep. deep. No, they're not deep, but the way, you know, it's basically like, oh, if in heaven love comes first, then let's make heaven a place on earth. That's about as deep as this song gets, which is, you know, not.
0: So it's it's metaphorical.
1: It's metaphorical. There you go, Bill. It's metaphorical. You know, I'm usually the guy that breaks everything down to a full blown analysis, but let's just talk about this song. Like the experience of listening to the song. Like, again, I mentioned we have some songs on here that are like, this is what I think, you know love should be about in terms of action then there's love songs like prior you know pre-love songs and then there's what's it like being in love this to me is one of those songs that you can kind of you you just feel it or you don't feel it and uh when you're in it what she's capturing the kind of like bursts of energy and just uh giddiness you know it's a different kind of giddiness than the song you just mentioned ryan but i still think there's a certain you have fun you get into it and it's capturing a feeling of kind of being in love your feet lifted off the the ground you know yeah. kind of thing and i i it just captures it so well that I'm totally into this song even though it's not saying I'm not catching on a certain lyric there's nothing deeply speaking to me I had seven or eight songs here that have beautiful wonderful transportive lyrics and I thought no they don't say it they don't speak to me the way this song does <laughs> and I think it's a it's a it's a testament to how songs are really the sum of their parts right like we don't listen to songs yeah. just to hear lyrics we don't listen right. just to hear instruments we want the blending together and I just think this song blends into something that's kind of it's cheesy but it's transportative and I love it for for that.
0: So, Nathan, I have a feeling if on an Amazon order you see on an order of, of a, a short skirt and blonde hair bleach, you know what she wants to hear. <laughs> <laughs>
3: okay. <laughs> she wants to get
0: into that, that late 80s, you know... Dance on the beach, you know, feel like she's 14, you know, whatever. (sighs)
2: Um, uh, Totally different thing, but uh, in terms of feeling, like, uncool about a song, like, you know, like you're a poser if you don't mention it, I'll just mention that uh, because Heaven was in this title, it reminded me, I'm a big fan of that song Heaven by Bryan Adams, and there's (laughs) nothing cool about that. There's nothing cool about
0: that. See, I (laughs) thought you were going to say by Warrant.
1: No, no, you know, I got (laughs) you. I'm with you, Brian. I, I get it. (laughs)
2: what's that what's that that terrible movie that it's in um that um the one where the 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 guy goes to dance the nightclub is called heaven so it's like the theme song to this movie kind of you know the one i'm talking about it's it's a dance movie um, from the 80s with uh but it's crazy like um god i i gotta figure out what it is Talk amongst yourselves. And I'm going to figure out the which
1: is the, the, both, the Belinda Carlisle song or the Brian Adams? No, song? no,
2: the Brian Adams one. Sorry. What do you I, think you of the Belinda
1: Carlisle song, right? Before we go it. off, I love <laughs> it. I,
2: I, uh, it's everything you said, it's cheesy and corny, but I love it. Yeah. yeah.
1: And you know, now a few years ago, uh, Black Mirror did an episode called San Junipero. I don't know if you guys saw it. And the this song played uh, very uh, pivotally at the end of that episode. And I, in my opinion, it was the, one of the best. Black Mirror episodes because it was the only one that I'm aware of that didn't have a downbeat ending <laughs> that, that didn't go for all the horrors of technology. Uh, if you get a chance to see that episode, I would highly recommend it. And now that song and the uh, this song and that uh, episode are sort of uh, ever entwined.
2: Gotcha. Perfect. Yeah, uh, I, I and by the I, way, I, the the movie that I was thinking of is called A Night in Heaven. I, I should have remembered. <laughs> I, never, I don't
1: think I've ever seen that.
2: Here, I know uh, this won't help the viewers at home, but I'm going to post it in our chat so you guys can at least look it up. Uh, a Night in Heaven is, uh, if it's remembered at all, it's remembered as a terrible movie. But um, and it is, but it's um, it's it's almost sort of like the um, um, Magic Mike of the '80s. Only he's not a stripper, but he's like he's like trying to pay his way. He's like a working class guy trying to like, you know, he's misunderstood by his family, whatever. And he loves to go dance at the nightclub and the nightclubs called heaven. And Brian Adams heaven is one of the big songs in the movie. And, uh, and fuck it. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> the song, not the movie, right? I love the movie. I love this. Always I love, this love song. This. the song. It's all of it's wrong, and I don't care. I'll fight any of you. <laughs>
1: I, I looked up a Roger Ebert's review. I just looked up a Roger Ebert's review popped up, and his first sense of the reviews. I've rarely seen a movie with more interior evidence of compromise than a Night in Avatar.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we were talking about bad movie night earlier, and this has um, not played yet, but it will. It will. <laughs>
0: <laughs> See, when you mentioned Brian Adams, I thought you were going to go with "Everything I Do, I Do It for You."
2: no i'm not i'm not really is it that's what i mean i'm not really a fan of that but uh i don't like brian adams but damn it if i don't like that song
0: i mean it's it's almost you know you know hypocritical i don't like he's canadian but you know what i was never a huge brian adams fan but it's it's undeniable his talent and the mark that he left on the music industry yeah i mean my wife made sure we played summer of 69 at our wedding but the band that's that's the true.
2: Song. I do like that song. That's a good nostalgia song. Yeah.
1: Jen mentioned one. I can't remember. It wasn't It wasn't Ro- the one from uh, Robin Hood. It was a different one. It wasn't having Ether. So I, but I don't remember now <laughs> which one it was. Uh,
0: the, the one of his I like the most is uh, cuts like a knife. Um, and that's his earlier song. Yeah.
2: Damn it. You're going to make me go listen to Brian Adams tonight. Cause I'm, gonna have to go, I <laughs> know, I'm not, not sure. I
0: <laughs> yeah. Look up cuts like a knife. That's uh, before reckless. That okay. was, you know, when he was just, when he was just out of the punk scene. Yeah.
2: Okay. All right. Yeah, check it out.
0: Okay. So thanks uh, Nathan. You brought us all back to a time and space in 88. That, uh, I sometimes try to yeah. forget. Eighty-seven. And that
1: song, by the way, the Belinda Carlisle song did hit the number one charts. So, oh, it did hit number yeah, one.
0: Yeah. Okay, I did. I think my sister might have had the forty-five. <laughs> I think she might have for that
1: one. And Belinda Carlisle so, was uh, for the the band bit. She was the lead singer of the Go Go's uh, before that, right?
0: So. Well, yeah, because a lot of times it was either it was the Battle of the Go Go's and Bananarama. and yeah. the, and then and then the Bangles got in there. So there were like three female-led groups that were all kind of vying for that pop chart songs so for my number three you go back to bill's sensibilities bill is a (laughs) rock man at heart
2: i knew it would happen eventually (laughs) what
0: defines rock the power ballad yeah i knew i had to have a power ballad but i was not going to put beth that was not going to (laughs) make my that was not going to make my chart. sorry greg it's not my top love song So, but quite a few kind of go through, and you're going through your catalog of Zeppelin and Deep Purple and things like that. I came across one that I loved. I've seen it done live. It's an amazing song. Mind Klaus, fantastic. Still Loving You by The Scorpions. Mm. That hit number 64 on Billboard in July of 1984. And it is your prototypical... Get your lighter, put the lights out dark, and just listen to it. But a lot of those kind of songs get sappy. This one still has an edge to it while it's got a beautifully melodic guitar lead up. Uh, Schenker does a great job on that. It tells the story that's a very common theme that I must have had three or four songs of a lost love. A recent breakup, your heart is still yearning for the person and you want them back and you're trying to convince them. And that's what this song is all about. I mean, it's a theme that's been going on forever from the Beatles to Rick Springfield and Jesse's Girl. You want what you had or you can't have, and you want it back in your life. And if anybody hasn't heard Still Loving You by the Scorpions, it's one of those cool, kick ass rock songs that's the ballad that the instrumental meets the lyrics, and it's just fantastic.
2: Good pick. You, do you know the song, right? I don't think I do, but um, I might. The I thing is, is um, the Scorpions is one of those bands that I always, I only, I only really think of the uh, the song from the Free Jack when I think of the Scorpions. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, uh, but I remember they were around all the time, you know, around the early to mid '90s, and um, so I'm sure I did hear it. If it was on the radio, I heard it. I just don't remember it.
0: And ironically, my daughter listens to Rocky Lake a hurricane off Trolls too. <laughs> oh no,
2: kidding! It's in it's in Trolls too
1: now. Okay, Yep. yep uh, yeah, that's cool. <laughs> what was Freejack hit between the eyes? I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I always yeah. think of the winds of change. That's the one that I think of. When I think of the. Story. Oh winds. right, right. Yeah, right.
0: winds of change. That's another one. But that that's more about the changing of
1: the guard and the. Oh yeah, yeah. Not a love song. I don't know what. No, about, that's but- a communism song. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, but yeah. <laughs> okay so ryan what do you have for number two
2: well we're we're getting into rarefied air here right i mean this is top two territory this, this so. is
0: the one where if you're number one can't fulfill their duties this one becomes number one <laughs> 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 yeah
2: exactly i love it um so th- this is a very specific song and um i'm guessing it's going to be a first list first time listen for a lot of people um the song is the song is called True Love Leaves No Traces, and it is by a Canadian <laughs> Leonard Cohen. Leonard Cohen. Yeah. Now, I said earlier that uh, you mentioned something about going into deep, deep waters or something, deep territory. Um, And I said, wait till we get to my number two. So I've got a lot I want to say about this. I'm just apologizing in advance. I got to give you some backstory about some stuff here. I got to talk. I got to break it down. There's a lot of stuff to unpack. So give me a a minute. (laughs) (laughs) Um, First thing I want to mention is that uh, this comes off of the uh, uh, 1977 album uh, Death of a Ladies Man. Now, if you're a Leonard Cohen fan, you might know that by all accounts, the production of this album was chaotic and troubled. Was driven by Phil Spector's ten, uh, tendencies toward egotism and madness, and it was complicated by a dangerous mix of guns and drugs. Uh, there are stories that Spector held a gun to Cohen's throat. Um, he eventually stole the masters before the recording sessions were even completed. Uh, indeed, before Cohen had even recorded his vocal tracks. Um, if you if you listen to uh, Cohen talk about it, he says that. Um, uh, The vocals in the in the album were just meant to be guide tracks to help the musicians that he never even got around to recording his proper vocals (laughs) wow uh the reviews yeah yeah exactly this is this is this album is troubled in a way that few albums are uh the reviews were terrible uh cohen hated the wall of sound production results um you know, which sort of drown out the uh, they totally smother his lyrics and his music. You know, the the songs that he's created are just completely buried in, in in Phil Spector's wall of sound stuff, which Spector just stole the masters and just went home. Well, he didn't even go home. They didn't know where he was. He disappeared. (laughs) Nobody knew where he was and he was working on the album and mixed it. And then basically made a deal with Warner brothers to release it. And um, Cohen felt like literally he had the choice between, Hiring his own band of thugs because Spectre was surrounded by goons with guns. Yeah, hiring his own goons and starting a street war with <laughs> with yes. uh, Spectre to get his hands on the Masters and stop the sale to Warner Brothers and all this. Or to just let it go. And and, and Leonard Cohen decided to just let it go. <laughs> so yeah. that is the backstory that I want to uh, put into context for you. because Bill somehow, Spectre was a snowball rolling down a hill at this point. And as we all know, it just kept rolling. Yeah, exactly. I mean, of course, ultimately, he did end up, you know, murdering somebody with a gun. Yes. Um, You know, and and, and there are stories. I mean, he he fired a gun off in the studio with John Lennon. And John Lennon famously said something like, Phil, if you're going to shoot, if you're going to kill me, kill me. But don't just fire a gun. Uh, Don't ruin my hearing. I need that. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, um, the point is, uh, from out of all this insanity Comes one of Leonard Cohen's Most beautiful love songs uh, It's the o- opening track of the album uh, And as I said before It's called True Love Leaves No Traces Now um, Now I want to I mention Some of the lyrics And and, uh, and get into why I think the song is so Just beautiful and amazing
3: As the mist Leaves no the-
2: he says uh and many nights endure without a moon without a star so will we endure when one is gone and far true love leaves no traces etc etc um now now why i think this is so interesting why i think it's such an important song and and why it speaks to me is because it's well before i say before i go too much into this let me just say that I, i feel like a lot of people have this idea of love that is hurtful. Um, by which I mean that, um, you know, there's abusive love. There's, um, I mean, how many times have you, have you been in love with someone who didn't love you back? You know, love can be very painful. Um, Uh, Singer-songwriter Dan Wilson, for example, has a song called Try Love, and you think, oh, what's this love song by Dan Wilson, who pretty much only writes love songs? And you pop on the song, and the lyrics are something like, I'm paraphrasing, but the lyrics are something like, um, if you want to feel more pain than you've ever felt before, try love. (laughs) (laughs) If you want to cry more tears than you've ever cried before, try love. So the idea that... a lot of pop songs have is that love is this fun thing and it's, and it's, and it's all wonderful. But of course we all know, we've all experienced how painful love can be. And um, there's just numerous examples that the, the ones I mentioned is also like long distance relationships. There's, I and mean, there's so many instances where um, you want more than you can have or whatever, you know, Or even when someone loves you, but you're taken, you know, you're seeing somebody else. There's so many ways that love is painful. And what this song um, says, essentially, is, yeah, love will kick your ass. Love will leave you bloodied and hurt and full of scars. But true love, that's a different story. True love leaves no traces. It only compliments. It never hurts. It's a beautiful... um, it's the beautiful thing that I think a lot of pop songs are aspiring love to be, but, but maybe miss the bark on or simplify. And I just think that's a beautiful sentiment. And I don't know of another, another song that does that. It's sort of a perfect song for me to, to capture a side of love that I think is um, rare and something that's, that, that we should all aspire to. But I think a lot of people fall short with, you know? Um, And ultimately it's one of my favorite things that uh, Leonard Cohen ever wrote um there's something else i wanted to mention here um leonard cohen also uh wrote a book of poetry i think he's writ- written multiple books of poetry but one of his poems is um basically a compliment to the song it, it has a lot of the same um, stanzas and it, it opens with the mist leaving no scar on the dark hill but there's a, there's a, there's a line in the poem that's not in the song. And I think it's, I think it's sort of important to um, understanding what the song's about. And that line is, when wind and hawk encounter, what remains to keep? So you and I encounter, then turn, then fall to sleep. And the idea I think of that is that uh, the hawk meets the wind when the wind blows and it's, it's a complementary force, but there's nothing to take from it after, you know, it, it the hawk is lifted up. The hawk is is, is uplifted. Whatever, but uh, but when they're gone, neither has been hurt by it. You know, um, I just think that's a a really unique position for a song to take. Um, I don't often uh, listen to Leonard Cohen for his love songs. Um, I love Leonard Cohen. Don't get me wrong, but I I kind of feel like his insights into human nature run deeper than you know your typical love song. But the love songs that he's created, I think, are just treasures. Um, Suzanne, I think, is just spectacular. I'm Your Man, Crazy to Love You, My Oh My, and uh, True Love Leaves No Traces is probably my absolute favorite.
0: Yeah, Leonard Cohen's got that special quality. You know, to drop the panties. But... but he he does it in a way different than Kenny Rogers or Barry White. He's got that depth of song. Like the guys can listen to him and really just appreciate the lyrical virtuosity the man has. I mean, when you listen then, to Suzanne, you listen to Ain't No Cure for Love, you listen to Hallelujah. You know, they're not just fluff
2: songs. No, not at all. And and I think for me what I just absolutely what just floors me about this song is that he's talking about something that I think I think more people should. It's it's an it's a side of love that's attractive to me. This idea of like we can love each other and not hurt each other. You know, I can let you do what you want to do. I don't have to take from you. I can give to you. You know, that's that sort of idea. Um I I I, I find it interesting that this song a lot of people I've tried to interpret it. And and I feel like a lot of people um, miss the mark because they think he's just saying that he's a gentle lover. Like, you know, the, as the mist, you know, uh, caresses the, the hill or whatever the lyric was, as the mist um, leaves no scar on the dark green hill, that he's just saying he's a gentle lover. I don't think that's it. I think he is saying we can love each other and um, not hurt each other. And he even says at the end of the song, just like how, the night sky endures without the, 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 there are plenty of, of night skies where you don't see stars and it's fine. The sky is fine. The sky endures. So will we endure when, when for whatever reason we can't be together. And I just think that's a beautiful sentiment. And,
0: and when Cohen says it, you believe it. Yeah. Like it's not just some fluff throwaway line. Like, I mean, songs like closing time and you know, the ones I've sung before, they all have a breadth to them. And you find yourself engrossed. He's another one of those. He's a songwriter, but he's also a poet. He's a storyteller. You almost just think of him as a professor, or even just Uncle Uncle Leonard sitting in the corner. You want to go talk to and have a brandy <laughs> with. That's Leonard Cohen, you know.
2: Yeah, he he was one of the greats. And when when he passed away, that was um, that was that was that was gut wrenching for me. I mean, yeah, to, yeah. to lose I, somebody of his t- caliber. Just- I think
0: they shut down Jewish the Jewish streets in Montreal for about a week. Wow. Just- <laughs> I,
2: I, yeah. I mean, I'm in, I'm in Los Angeles. I can only, <clears throat> excuse me. I'm in Los Angeles. I can only um, imagine what it was like in Canada.
0: Sorry, uh, Nathan, did you want to yeah. ch- chime in there? Chirm oh. chir- in there. Chirm chir- chir- oh, in oh, there. Let
2: me make some chir- Uh
1: Yeah. Oh, <laughs> lo- love the song. And again, put it back on and listen to it yesterday. And and can I just say for anyone that's listening to this podcast and for whatever reason may be involved in the, in the film industry, Put the moratorium on a hallelujah. Great song, but okay, it's been overused. Start, yeah, pull yeah. this song out. Use this. It's a great song. Um maybe, maybe it's a little too deep for your movies, but you know, it's still. I think it's the kind of perfect mix between, you know, we talk about this kind of like the the I said solidarity songs, but the songs that talk about this is what I will do for you in in the relationship. These are the ways we can depend on each other, and I and there is this overblown grandioseness to a lot of songs. I'll be all these things for you, or right. or heaven is a place on earth. It's so wonderful, and this is this is more in the real world of you know if we can
2: do anything, let's do no harm. <laughs> Yeah, and 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 then not to take away, not to not to. Slam it's just a different facet. Song. Just a different exactly. facet. I, yeah. I like the pop songs too, of course. Like they're they're all fun, but this this one, when we're talking about our top five, yeah, I had I had this is the only one when I first started this and my number one were the only two songs that I was like, they're definitely going to be there. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: that's how I am and with I the like, last uh, couple that I have as well. Yeah. yeah, and
0: I mean we could have done a top fifteen of Leonard Cohen and they all would have been legit. Yeah, yeah. 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 You know, like again, you know, he's one of those artists like a Bob Dylan or you know, like a Bruce Springsteen that's just got so much quality there that even his throwaway songs are better than 90% of the stuff out there,
2: yeah. So, I think, yeah, and 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 even even with the um Phil Spector Wall of Sound stuff, like you know, sort of ruining this album, uh, it doesn't matter, this it it shines through. This song is just perfect. exactly
0: well great pick ryan that's a way to kick off our number two round nathan what do you have for number two?
1: Oh, i have bill's favorite thing a tie um... oh, seven way
0: tie <laughs> for... <laughs> let's pull out the monkeys from 64 through 67
1: or
3: something
1: that's funny you should say that but um yeah so this is at least it's the same artist this time i had an enormously difficult time picking one of these two songs i think they're both great And it's weird because I think in some ways they can embody both what we just talked about. I think in one perspective, they could both be seen as deep songs. They could also be seen as sort of surface level pop songs. Uh, These are both by Cyndi Lauper. One of them is True Colors and the other is Time After Time. And I, quite frankly, I couldn't pick between the two of them. I think as sung by her and as performed by her, I think they're both heartfelt. They're they're dreamlike. And yet they... They really, I, I think in their, almost in some of their simplicity of emotion, they feel very deep, they feel very strong, they feel very uh, uh, loving, like in the concept of the song, that in the song you feel that you are sort of being wrapped up in something that is comforting, that is positive, that is healing, and uh, and yet kind of honest. And I, again, True Colors is a very, you know, it says what it says, and it is what it is, um, and I love it for that.
3: It's to take courage in a world full of people. You can lose sight of it all when the darkness new inside you make you feel so small. But I see your truth.
1: And then time yeah. after time, it's the same way. Maybe a little bit more dreamy, maybe a little bit more evocative. But I think they're both expressing something really true and gentle and good. And those are what love is in my mind.
3: The second hand done, If you're lost, you can look and you will find me. Time after time. If you fall, I will catch you. I'll be waiting time. If you're lost, you can look and you will find me. Time after time. If you fall, I will catch you. I'll be waiting. waiting. Time
0: after time. Yeah, my my wife absolutely loves True Colors. And it just about became our wedding song, but I wanted to get some rock and roll in there. But uh, it is a wonderful song and it's one of those ones that if it's sung slow, like she, she purposefully paces the song and you can almost see that as a result of having done time after time, what, three, four years earlier, she kind of refined it and brought it into two colors. Cause they're both good songs, but time after time, I wouldn't say is a rushed song, but she's kind of. At the beginning of her career, and by True Colors," she was a full, yeah. mature woman doing the song.
2: Yeah. I, I, Nathan, I think, as you know, if you skimmed the list that I sent you, uh, the, the broader list, the full list, um, this, this was on my runner-up list, but what you may not have known is it was really close to the top. I mean, I almost went with uh, uh, True Colors. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a staggeringly gorgeous song
0: that's one that you take your loved one your lover your wife your girlfriend your boyfriend whatever you have no qualms being the only two people dancing on the dance floor to this song.
2: well and it's it's a song about um you know unconditional love it's yes. about yes. loving somebody who is really struggling and is really having trouble and uh again that gives it a unique flavor you know it's not um it's not you can listen to it as just a slow song and just think it's beautiful but when you really pay attention to what it's about I mean it's it's really moving it's It's love as
1: action and i think as i've realized that my list is love and as action you know as not action like like momentum and but but as deed as 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 work as uh actual concentrated you know not not effort but as an as an act towards someone else and i think um this one is also one that became something of a of an anthem in the gay community as well. True Colors, and yeah, I yeah, think yeah. of the two, True Colors is is the one that's stronger. Time after time, it, it just to me is also just as personal. I think you know, and it has such a, and it, it is also the same kind of thing, like you said, a love towards someone who is struggling, and and yeah. and and a kind of reinforcement of uh, an emphasis on I'll be there. You know, I will be there.
0: Now, Nathan, I'm surprised you didn't put as a three way tie, "Cindy Lauper's She Bop,"
1: which is about female self love. That could be number one. You don't know yet, though. Oh, that could be. <laughs> it's between I that will, and cheeseburger and paradise. You don't know.
2: <laughs> I will say this: um, uh, it's not on Spotify, and I check because I love Cindy Lauper's um, "Hole in My Heart" all the way to China. Yes. Uh, yes. Which is the one that's featured in, in Vibes. Yes. Um, vibes. I love vibes. I do too. I love vibes. <laughs> but that song, um, is it's a perfect pop song for me that's about it's a perfect love song. I love that song all out of proportion to how good it probably is, and it has a little <laughs> bit of that offensive kind of like Asian, you know, yeah, da, da, yeah. Da, 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 da. it has that kind of thing going on, which is okay. That's that's <laughs> I, but I still love it. I just love that song. That I'm a that big Cyndi been... fan, <laughs> <laughs> me too. unapologetically. I just, you
0: know. yeah, me too, right? Right? I thought you were doing the intro to uh, Turning Japanese,
1: yeah. It's, well, it's, it's, cl- it's kind was, of the same thing, it was, but yeah. it's yeah,
2: it's it's yeah.
1: But but these transcend, I think, even what she had done, you know, like they, they transcend uh the Goonies are good enough and all of that. Like yeah. there's
2: another level here, I think. Yeah.
0: Yeah. This is above Captain Lou Albano.
2: What's the uh what's the other one? Um the other big uh love song where she's driving to uh her lover. She's dri- Drive All Night. Yes, drive that's, all night. Yeah. That's oh, the other one. Um,
0: that's it. Drive all night. I haven't heard that song in a long time
2: great song <laughs> it
0: is yeah
2: she's got, she's got right. quite a few love songs that uh i'm all about putting on yeah. this mixtape
0: though she she fits it well she writes a good love song there's no yeah. doubt and, and you almost get the impression like it's i wouldn't say it's necessarily personal that it happened to her but you feel like it's coming deep from inside her yeah in yeah. a lot of these songs so for my number two i went with an aspect of love that is lust Mm, and good. this song, this song combines love and lust, and so I'm I had sexy one that I is isn't it? Oh yeah, I'm too sexy for my shirt. Too sexy for my shirt. Too oh, sexy. It hurts. I have. I, a, just I need to have a, a,
2: uh, I'll wait till you're done saying, but I have a guilty pleasure and on that an album as well. Go on. Okay. <laughs>
0: did Wright said Fred have a second song?
2: It, I, I I had the uh, I had the the cassette you Know back in the 90s when it came out, and there's a song in there that I actually really still to this day like, and it's um, it's a love song, but
0: uh, oh, okay, well, well, mine I but I am true at heart, I'm a rock guy, and so I had one song originally in this on a similar theme. But I was sitting the other day, and as a lot of people know who listen to me, I listened to those reaction videos with my daughter, and so she'll daddy, daddy, let's dance. So I like to tie her out before she goes to bed, and this one came up. And it was kind of over her head. She just kind of liked the rock and roll beat to it. And that's Bad Companies Feel Like Mm. Making Love. Yes, good. And when you first hear it, you think it's down and dirty. It's about, you know, what you think the explicit title is. But it really is a love song. It's about a guy who's trying to get with a girl, obviously, to make love to her. But he wants to make love to her because he loves her so much. He wants her to be part of him and the physical expression of love is one way to show it to her yeah but when you actually hear the song and you actually zone in on the lyrics he's just serenading her that's what he's doing
3: if I had-
0: It is so good. And yes, you can see yourself cranking it on in the radio when you and your loved one are getting kind of funky. But if you're actually just sitting in a concert venue, listening to the song, I have seen Bad Company live. Paul Rogers at the age of 70 has got a voice that's better than most singers at the age of 25. Mm -hmm. And he can crank this song. And so... I I think it combines that love, that lust, that driving love that makes you do things that you don't normally want to do, but you will for the right partner. And I think this song really incorporates that song. And by the way, it hit number 10 on the Billboard charts in August of 1975.
2: Well, I have a soft spot for 70s love songs, so um, I'm a fan. And by the way, not to be confused with the, earlier I was talking about Roberta Flack, not to be confused with her hit single, which went, I think, to number one, uh, which is also called Feel Like Megan Love, but a totally different song. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, this
0: one, it, all it did is crank up the bass. You know, it's the same song.
2: No, they're different lyrics, though, isn't it? <laughs>
1: yeah.
2: I'm, Nathan, I'm
0: Nathan, 90- Nathan, what did you think when I had this on the charts? Or I had it out of my choice.
1: I thought that is a bill all the way, like not in a bad <laughs> way, but I mean that's like it's a great song. It's a fun song. It's not one that popped into my head making the list, but like I, it's a, it's it's a good song. It's, it works perfectly. I think it fits in. So anybody yeah, that yeah. looks
0: at the title and thinks it's like a down and dirty song, look below the layer, and it's just a love song that's essentially what. So, ta-ra, ta-ra,
3: ta-ra,
0: we're at number one. Uh, like Ryan Ryan Stockstead, what graces your presence as your number one song?
2: Uh, my number one, and and this really is. I, I think this. I, I really thought about it. I really think this is my favorite love song of all time. It's uh, it's um, it's maybe it's not. Right, I, said Fred. <laughs> oh yes, I, I should mention this. this, this the the, the yeah. Right Said Fred song is called "Deeply Dippy." <laughs> I don't a, know it.
3: It is a dumb,
2: <laughs> dumb, dumb song, and I love, I love it. Deeply okay. Everybody go check that out. It's not my number one. So It's it must not be, my number one. <laughs> it must
0: be a Muskrat Love by Captain Antonio.
2: <laughs> How'd you know? My favorite love song of all time, Muskrat Love. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. It's not that either. But it is, I think, something that nobody would predict. <laughs> well, maybe people who know me really well. Um, the song is by The Monkees. And uh, it, comes, uh, it comes to us from one of the greatest song track albums of all time. Indeed, Rolling Stone. Uh, picked it um, as number 25 on their list titled The 25 Greatest Soundtracks of All Time. Uh, the song is called As We Go Along. And I'll start real quick here by I want to get into the lyrics because it's the lyrics. lyrics say i can tell by your face that you're looking to find a place to settle your mind and reveal who you are and you shouldn't be shy for i'm not gonna try to hurt you or heal you or steal your star open your eyes get up off your chair there's so much to do in the sunlight give up your secrets and let down your hair and sit with me here by the firelight then a little bit later he says um Uh, why think all about who's going to win out we'll make up our story as we go along there's so little time for us to there's so little time for us to try to rhyme and so many highways to travel upon so it is there's a couple things it's doing here it is a seduction song clearly um, but I absolutely adore uh, uh, excuse me I absolutely adore its gentle approach He he's 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 clear with her that he's not going to hurt her and he's not um he's also not going to heal here heal her he's not here to that that thing we talked about earlier with uh with the leonard cohen song um is just really attracted to me in this one as well the the idea of like we can love each other and and we don't have to be you know this the sun and the moon and we don't have to be we can we can just be people that love each other and don't hurt each other Uh, The other thing that's going on here that I love is he's basically like, look, time is short. Let's do this thing. I promise I'm not going to hurt you. (laughs) Uh, Let's start this journey. And I just think that's uh, just lovely. It's just beautiful. And um, as I said, I, I really think it's my favorite love song of all time. If you've seen the movie head, I was talking about the soundtrack earlier. This comes from the movie head. If you've seen the movie head, which is easily one of my top, you know, 20 favorite movies of all time um the movie almost grind grinds to a halt it's this absurdist sort of political crazy movie and then all of a sudden it grinds to a halt and becomes very tender for the scene you know and it's uh it's a real beautiful moment it's a beautiful song so
0: yeah uh, the monkeys are one of those bands that you know they get a little bit of flack from time to time because they weren't necessarily musicians they were uh Composed together piece together and they kind of learned on the fly yeah. but mike nesmith is the person in that band that kind of held it together and musically he was quite strong and they have all these wonderful songs daydream believer is one of my favorite all-time songs
2: yeah that's An absolute brilliant song that's definitely the thing about them is that even though they were sort of this manufactured manufactured tv you know show band they turned out to be very profound um and uh i i I mean
0: i i say they they learned it on the fly but they learned it well yeah they did
2: they did and 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 i find myself um you know drawn into their the the absurdity to the depth of their music um often you know and like i said the movie head is just amazing That's great. That's a great
1: movie. It's it's so weird, and it sort of like ties in. It's like it's it's like a weird satire, and I feel like it could only exist because of you know tied into how the monkeys came about. You know that they're the band, imaginary band that wants to be like the Beatles, and then they become a band that sort of is you know sort of tied to the Beatles in a sense and then this movie is just craziness
2: yeah and it's it's like you know, that it deconstructs what the monkeys are you know the the, the movie <laughs> says takes the TV show and turns it on his head and um, it's not afraid to shock you and you know, it's 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 daring it's absurd it's it's progressive start a, a lot look, of a darts
1: look. like they go to get a guru yeah. at one point and that scene is <laughs>
2: incredible. I love that moment. Moment when he he, he comes out after uh, was it Davy and he's been He's been doing Daddy song. Yeah, he comes out and bumps into. Uh, he comes out. He's been he's been doing this corny song, which also is dark, by the way. It's this it's this Daddy song, which is like this sort of upbeat uh, song about how much he loves his dad, who abandoned him. Yeah. <laughs> but he comes out and he's asking uh, uh, Zappa, well, "What would you think?" And Zappa, without blinking, is like. It's kind of white. <laughs> it's pretty white, something like that. Um, it's, it's, it's an amazing film. And I, I, find that they were a lot more creative, a lot more, uh, 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 there was a lot more depth and, uh, there was a lot more heart than, um, you know, perhaps their detractors would have you believe. So,
0: well, I mean, I think the image a lot of people have is them of the TV show, mm-hmm. walking around, bumping into things and, you know, yeah. getting into outrageous situations but when you break down the music and you can you know like i've listened to their stuff from the you know the early to mid 60s to the late 60s and they went till about 1970 71 you can see the evolution in their musical style and their songwriting songwriting abilities and their musical sensibilities and by the end they were a tight little band
2: yeah i mean they they released uh i want to say uh the 90s they they release some stuff too i mean i think i think even more recent than that so they kept it yeah. going i mean obviously two of them have died now but
0: yeah and i mean i had the chance to see davy jones at a free outdoor concert and i just didn't get to it and then i think the next year he died yeah. it was a horse what was it he got kicked by a horse wasn't that how he died? something like that yeah something yeah i just right checked there.
2: good times it was 2016 um, and then they released, uh, just us, just us, just us, just, anyway, just us in 1996.
0: The best thing I ever heard about that, uh, movie that you guys, anybody that wanted to do a sequel was from the producers that gave you head.
2: Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. Well, and of course, you know, this is a movie that, that, that it's, it's Bob Raffleson, uh, um, Nick, uh, Jack Nicholson, uh, Dennis Hopper. I mean, these are the guys who made the movie. You know anybody who who dismisses this as uh, just a corny monkeys t v show has completely missed the point and 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 does not realize what the movie is <laughs> exactly
0: righty, so everybody out there make sure you know you may think it's your grandparents' music, but the monkeys they got some stuff there. And I know our fellow friend Ben Eisen
2: adores these guys too. So, yeah, yeah. Well, I, wonder what, I wonder what his number one love song would be. Where'd I don't know. On
0: his podcast, he always has said, I proudly have not had a love song for
2: top 10. So, I don't. I don't know. <laughs> he won't do it. Okay.
0: won't do it. Okay. So,
1: Nathan, what is the top of your Eiffel Tower? Mm, the top of my song list here. It's kind of. Um man, it's a song that I normally would like roll my eyes to and uh, the person who wrote it says they don't think very much of it now but um <laughs> and it's oh, they're a, wrong <laughs> and it's had a long sort of history because what it was designed for where it's come and like what it has been known for also doesn't matter because ultimately it was my wedding song so uh and when I when it was picked it was picked sort of, from my wife and i hearing it together not really connecting it to anything previously then when we realized that all of it's like baggage we were like oh wow this has been all over the place uh this song is called feels like home the version specifically that was played at my wedding is by a canadian artist bill Shantel Kraviazuk. uh are you guys oh, Chantel yeah are you familiar with the song
0: uh i don't know feels like home song. so I what hear. i didn't
1: realize at the time that i listened to the song and picked it is that it was apparently uh i don't know i don't know if it was a theme song but it was a primary song in dawson's creek <laughs> back in like 1999 oh. which is not a thing oh. i knew and was happy to have not known that fact sure uh, because sure. it didn't color my opinion however the song was originally written by randy newman for a 1995 album he did that was a conceptual like retelling of faust <laughs> so it was sung by bonnie Raitt. Oh, and really? in the context, she's trying to seduce the devil <laughs> with this Whoa. song, which the song, when you listen to it, you're like, what? Randy Newman, then <laughs> not to be let out, because again, Linda Ronstadt also <laughs> did a cover of this. And uh, I think Dolly Parton and uh, Lou Harris were involved in it as well. And Kravitzuk's version, I think, was the more popular at the time because, of course, it was tied to Dawson's Creek. And then Randy Newman, not to be outdone, also redid it in two thousands, where he made the statement that, "Oh, I'm not that interested in it." But you know, I mean, between this and you got a friend of me, I don't don't remember a lot of your stuff, Randy. I'm sorry. Um, mm-hmm. But so feels like home again. It it it's a it's a song that I appreciate because. Uh, I think it has a lot of feeling, uh, whether Newman thinks so or not. I think it's a song that's meant to evoke a certain sense of comfort and the idea that, that love and good love uh, is meant to feel like home, is meant to feel like a place of solace and a place of uh, a tenderness, a place that you strive to go to and to go back to. And the way it's sung, particularly by Kravya I think she gives it a very soulful feeling, uh, not that the Linda Ronsett version doesn't, uh, but I think maybe because he's not a huge fan of it, or maybe feels like maybe he even conceived it satirically, I'm not sure, Newman's version just feels kind of ho-hum. You know, it's sort of like he's not, it doesn't have the same resonance that I think, uh, the Azuk the, the version does but you know it it is a kind of classic love song but I- If you knew how much this moment means to me and how long I've waited for your touch, if you know, again, this is the eye rolling stuff, but in the context of the song, that it feels like home to me, feels like I'm all the way back where I belong. And I think that uh, it's funny how some material uh, can be done sincerely, and then that same material can sort of be handled in a way that's done maybe cynically, and you're going to get a different vibe either way. I think the Kravyazuk version is done completely. heartfelt and i think that whether he knew it or not i think newman touched upon something that is very simple that it's a love song it's the slow dance song it's the song that uh you know when my wife and i still listen to it we feel like it captures a feeling of, of how we feel in our relationship even through every everything that goes on everything that happens everything that gets in between the cracks of 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 these these intended feelings of these intended uh you know we're always going to be like this at every single moment. Well, we're not like this at every single moment, but uh, a good love song I think can remind you that here's the thing to aspire to be a thing that we can kind of it can clear your eyes a little bit sometimes. And for me, that's what this song does, and uh, I love it. That it's 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 obviously, um, there's another song that might have been here. You know, I think that maybe uh, Ben King Stand By Me might be the song I would if you had to ask me, but there's an element of mm. that song that feels almost like it transcends a simple love song, you know, it feels bigger in some ways, but this, yeah, this is my wedding song. So there it is. Number one. Nice. Perfect. Kravya
0: has is such a beautiful voice.
1: Yeah, she does. And, yeah.
0: and she's able to hold a note wonderfully and a good love song will take you to a place. It might be hurtful or it might be full of love and makes your heart swell up, but it's going to get some kind of emotion out of you. And I think that's what that song does for you. And I think Ryan's picked a couple that that does for them. I don't know the song personally, at least out of hand. Once this comes out and I can listen to it, perhaps I do know the song. I do know I've never seen an episode of Dawson's Creek.
1: (laughs) I'm not sure I have either. Honestly, I remember the, I remember when it came on and I remember um you know everybody's seeing it but and i actually thought the song for dawson's creek was something completely different but uh this was apparently tied to it in some way so sadly
2: i can hear this just thinking of dawson's creek the song immediately pops in my head and i i don't remember ever seeing an episode but i remember seeing promos for it and stuff and that that song that was their theme song i clearly remember it plain as day <laughs>
1: yeah wasn't that a like poem, i will remember
2: you or something like that yeah right? yeah it's
1: not this song i don't think
2: no no, no, no it's not this song i don't know it's definitely not it's uh it's yeah but anyway that song that was there <laughs> that was the, the the song that was in the theme or whatever um i don't remember the last time i heard it but uh, it's, it's somehow you know tattooed on my brain <laughs> from living in the 90s
1: yes yes that's me too and i'm like that that's not why well, i don't ever remember uh that show being tied to this but we had gone we were listening to songs specifically for the wedding we came across this and that was our experience with it so that's how it ended Uh, up here
2: that's great that's great
0: i love it that's perfect and and i mean picking a, a wedding song is never the easiest thing you think it's gonna be but it really isn't and for you guys to find one that makes you connect on that you know it'll have special feelings for you for the rest of your life so that's awesome
2: yeah that's that's beautiful
0: I love it. So number one for me is one, just to pull the veil back a little bit, Nathan had said he had on his list, but I had it at number
1: one, so I trumped him. So
0: I got to put this on.
1: (laughs) I wasn't going to pull it at number five and be a dick. So I was like... But, But it's
0: a song legitimately, yes, it's a love song, but I love this song, period. I've probably heard it a thousand times, and I'll hear it a thousand times more. Because the artist that does it is so talented. Unfortunately, God rest his soul, no longer with us. That's Jeff Healy's Angel Eyes. That hit number five on Billboard in June of 89. And it spent 22 weeks on the charts. But to Ryan's point about John Hyatt, John Hyatt wrote the song. Oh, he did. Okay. Yes, John Hyatt wrote the song. And it's actually, you can look up. He recorded it on an album, but I don't think it charted. I don't even know if it actually was released. I never, all these years, I never
1: realized that, Bill.
0: Yeah, but uh, Jeff Healy brought it to another level. And those of you who don't know Jeff Healy, if you've ever seen the movie Roadhouse, Jeff Healy is the musician that's the, the house band behind the chicken wire. But Jeff Healy is an amazingly talented guitarist out of Toronto, who developed cancer early in his life and it robbed him of his sight. And he learned to play on his lap the guitar with such virtuosity that he sat in them with Stevie Ray Vaughan, B.B. King, all the greats. And his unique stylings were great. And this song is, I wouldn't quite say it's autobiographical. It's obviously a song written. But there's probably a kernel of truth to the song. And it's essentially about a guy who's with a woman that he thinks he's hit the home run. She's out of his league, but she chooses to be with him and he's proud as punch to have her as his
3: partner. Well, I'm the guy who never loved to dance I Never even got one say across a crowded room was close enough i could
0: an absolutely stunning song if you want something good to do go on youtube and look for jeff healy doing the song live and there's multiple versions across different areas of his career but it's just a heart breaking not heartbreaking heart lifting song with great guitar work a good harmony lyrics that make sense they're a little sappy in terms of sentiment, but at the same time, very relatable. And there's a lot of us who have, as guys, gotten themselves girls that they might not quite think they're in the same level, but it just works. It clicks. And this is one of those songs. The fact that he was blind in real life and was happily married and had a wonderful wife, this there might have been a, a play in this to it, so i know nathan has heard the song ryan do you know the tune
2: yeah yeah i do know it uh i had not uh it's been a while since i've heard it um i the one thing i would mention just something that i realized i i looked up uh the album because i was trying to remember well actually i was just curious to know if that's that's off
0: see the light isn't it is that off off, season um
2: uh yeah see the light and um you're right and uh the only thing I was going to add that I happened to notice is that I think this is our third or fourth song from 1988 <laughs> on tonight's uh, yes. next. It turns out that 1988 <laughs> was a big year for us because uh, really? we got a lot, <laughs> we got a lot from that <laughs> year.
0: And if you look at the tracks on that album, I wore that album out. I had the cassette and I, I wore it out. Uh, love is a theme in a few of the songs on that album. Uh, I think I love you too much is on that song. I believe on that album uh and there's a couple other songs where love plays in so he does a very hurtful uh lyric honestly and it comes by that way Nathan why did you like the song
1: I mean a lot of the reasons that you mentioned Bill it's a it's a fun song the way Healy sings it I think particularly uh makes it work and uh you know it, it 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 dawned on me like when we were ranking the list I just that one popped in my head it by the time i got to coming out down the list it had popped way down the list but it's a, it's a song that i think captures a it, it's kind of a very specific sort of feeling but that is there is that certain feeling when you feel you're sort of in a uh in a situation where you you know, you feel out of your league a little bit, and I don't know. I don't. I. I. I don't know that it's entirely intended to be this sort of case of he's really just kind of show off this beautiful girl, but that everything about this situation and about this person that he's with uh, is overwhelming to him. And I. And I think that's kind of what comes through. Like the Healy song doesn't feel particularly crass or like he's gloating that he's got this beautiful girl. It feels like a very a, a grateful person who's found this this wonderful person, and I think he makes it very relatable in that way. I think that's what kind of we've heard songs that are either they end up being kind of cheesy and kind of terrible because they're they, essentially the person sounds like they're gloating, or you know, it's the was a song for a few people. She doesn't know she's beautiful. I'm like, okay, these this is kind of like trash. But there's an element of this song that I think. It, it doesn't really matter. It's not really about the, um, the, the way this person looks, per se, or, or, or about having arm candy. That's not the point of what Healy's going after. It's the idea of, of being very uh, grateful for being in a relationship with a person you truly like, you know, this is amazing. Like, uh, this is wonderful. Yeah.
2: Right.
0: Yeah. And uh, I advise anybody who hasn't heard the song to go look it up. And as I say, look it up live. Jeff Healy used to have a bar in Toronto. Yeah, Uh, I think it's still there called Healy's. And I went in one night and he wasn't there and I was really ticked off. I heard some really great live music there. So he's fantastic live. There's lots of live albums of his out there. Look him up. Unfortunately, he died a few years back, but he's worth investing your time into getting to know. So I think, gentlemen, I think we did a really great job with that. I think now we can spend a couple of minutes and just talk about a couple of the ones that didn't quite hit our list that you still wanted to make mention of that you, you know, contemplated or thought about at the last minute too late kind of thing. Yeah. So Ryan, is there anything that fell on the cutting room floor that you wanted to mention? Oh
2: yeah. So many, I'll try to be brief, but mm-hmm. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to be specific about the first one though. I, I, I want, I really did not want to cut this one. Um, much like my number one and my number two, this song, um, treads a similar sort of territory about, uh, um, love is, is not a hurtful thing. You know, uh, the song is called to live is to fly by Towns Van Zant, And I think it's pretty much the <laughs> greatest song ever written. I mean, if I could be hyperbolic, <laughs> I, I really think it's just, just fantastic. Um, Oh, who was it? Was it, was it, um, uh, um, who's that musician, the country musician who had that famous quote about Towns Van Zandt, where he said something like, um, Tom's Van Zandt is our greatest living, uh, singer songwriter or greatest living songwriter. And I will stand on, on, on Bob Dylan's coffee table and say it to his face <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> and I think it holds up with this song. Um, the, uh, uh, the, the 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 main reason why I was willing to cut it is because it's sort of half a love song and then half something else. Uh, but the love song element is uh, I won't say I love you, babe. I won't say I need you, babe, but I'm going to get you, babe. And I will do, and I will not do you wrong. And then he says, living's mostly wasting time and I've wasted my share of mine, but it never feels too good. So let's, let's don't take too long. It's it is just great. Um, but and, and where
0: uh, Where does the rest of the song go?
2: well um he leaves and he's uh what happens is he um he says uh because uh, it's a celebration of life it's a song that's about how life is short and and we got to make the best of it so the the refrain is to live is to fly low and high so shake the dust off off of your wings and the sleep out of your eyes Goodbye to all my friends. It's time to go again. Think of all the poetry and the picking down the line. I'll miss the system here. The bottom's low and the trouble's clear, but it don't pay to think too much on things you leave behind. So uh, the the song becomes a, um, sort of, look, I'm going to leave and I'll be back. Uh, actually my mom picked it for uh, something she wanted to have played at her funeral. So we actually play this uh, at my mom's funeral, um, a different version a different recording, but, uh, uh, but uh yes it's part love song and then part uh, celebration of life uh but anyway it's um it's one of the best songs i've ever heard in my life i just think it's a masterpiece and uh i really wanted to talk about it on the show and now i am so <laughs> there you go you got your stage yeah, yeah. uh the other ones uh, i got a whole Steve Earle, I... by the way steve earl steve earl thank you and up. steve earl's cover is the version we played at yeah. my my mom's which is funeral. really
1: good too it's
2: really good, isn't it yeah yeah, yeah. it's an awesome F- song. fantastic he changes a, a a lyric, which is sort of like, "Oh my God, do you how you can't, can't don't change, uh, Towns Van Zandt's lyrics." And yet, I think he's right, <laughs> yeah, because nope. the the lyric was, uh, um, "You're soft as glass, and I'm a gentle man. We got the sky to talk about, and the earth to lie upon." The the change he says, "We've got the sky to talk about, and the world to lie upon." Oh, it's beautiful. <laughs> but anyway. Uh, so what was I saying? Um, oh, I, I have to give a shout out my my my, my beautiful, smart, uh, 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 sexy, talented, wonderful friend Anna suggested uh, "Amor Eterno" by and I'm going to say this name wrong. The Spanish is not my first language. In fact, I suck at Spanish. Uh, but but uh, the artist is. Um, Rocio Durkle I believe or Durkle Dur- Durkle anyway gorgeous beautiful song she said it, it it has to be on the list and uh Could you say that right, one more I, time the title yes Amor Eterno and the spelling is R uh, of the of the name is R-O-C-I-O-D-U-R-C-A-L C-A-L and um yeah, it's an absolutely gorgeous song. I'd never heard it before, and uh, and she's right. It's fantastic, and it needs a mention. So I had to mention her, give her a plug. Uh, also, just a few others. Um, oh, Yoko by John Lennon. I adore that song. It's cute. I love it. Uh, Time by Tom Waits, another deep one. Uh, another Spanish-language one, uh, which I'll butcher. Um, I can't roll my R's, uh, and this is full of R's. Uh, Cuckoo. Cucuru Cucu Paloma by the Brazilian singer Setano uh, Veloso who I'm also probably butchering his name but the version that I like and he's actually doing a cover version but much like Roberta Flack he slowed it down and sort of made it his own that version of the song is heavily featured in the movie um, Talk to Her uh, the Almodovar oh, okay. film
1: yeah my-
2: Yeah, Ablo Coelha and I, I just I that song is heartbreaking and beautiful. Um, let's see, a few we've already mentioned uh, 90s song Troubled Times by the Fountains of Wayne. Uh, I gotta give a plug to Dan Wilson. I'm from Minneapolis originally. And Dan Wilson is, um, sort of a Minneapolis um, staple. Uh, he was in, he was the lead singer of Semisonic and before Semisonic, um, Trip Shakespeare. And, uh, the guy writes love songs better than just about anybody. And he also, um, has a voice that could just, you know, bring a grown man to his tear, you know, to his knees and <laughs> in tears. Uh, but uh, his solo material has a song called sugar, which is absolutely gorgeous. Uh, Crystal Fleetwood Mac. Um, loving, loving her was easier than anything I'll ever do again by Chris Christopherson. I'm easy by Keith Carradine, specifically the, uh, the version from Nashville. Don't be shy by Cat Stevens. Um, glossing over some stuff here. Uh oh, uh etta James. I wanted to mention at last, etta James. Yeah, that's a great one. Yeah, one of the all-time just great love songs. I I really wanted it to be on my top five somehow, but I I, I as good as it is, I I I like my other picks better. <laughs> yeah, mine's up. That song is in mine as well. Yeah. yeah, it's a good. Yeah, it's a good one. Uh, to love somebody by the Bee Gees. I I think that song is just amazing. Um,
0: I have that one as well. Is and I'm not a huge Bee Gees fan. I can't stand the disco stuff.
2: the disco stuff is harsh, but uh you know their their earlier stuff before the disco yeah. stuff is really a lot
0: a lot of people don't realize from about sixty six to seventy one they were like just i would I wouldn't say a boy band by any ways, but they were a melodic male band out They're- there that just sang love song after love song after love song
2: bG's one when they first submitted tracks, dJ's confused it. they thought it was a new Beatles album. They, that's how good they were. They, they thought it was a Beatles record. DJs mistook their sound, and that that so they had a very different sound with that first album. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I uh, there's quite a few others here. Uh, just gloss. Oh, oh, <laughs> it's a cute one. I love "You're So Good to Me" by the Beach Boys. It's a cute yeah. song, and it's there's nothing profound about it. I love it. Um, another quick. Shout out to Minneapolis. I will dare by the replacements. If you've ever seen feeling Minnesota with um, Mm -hmm. Keanu Reeves, uh, Keanu Reeves and his co-star, they sing, I will dare in the movie together. It's very cute. Um, Oh, quick shout out, just because we're talking about making a mix soundtrack to Mary is a love song about making a mix for a girl. By soul coughing, <laughs> okay.
1: Oh no, yeah, very, yes. very, very cool song. Soul coughing. I forgot about them.
2: Yeah, very very cool song. It wasn't gonna make my top five or even my top ten or even my top twenty, but uh, yeah, I wanted to mention them. That's that's good enough. All righty,
0: well, that's an amazing list. You've got probably three Spotify playlists there for you,
2: Ryan. Yeah, and I and I, and I literally skipped like probably uh, fifty songs. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's awesome, uh, Nathan. What do
1: you have that just missed? You know, I think it was Cameron Diaz in Feeling Minnesota. Cameron Diaz, it? thank yeah, you. Yes, said, thank you. the song. I'm
2: glad. Um, I'm glad you remembered because I or looked it up or whatever. Because I, uh, yeah, I, I remember I, I the movie
1: because yeah, it's a decent movie. I, it, it fell under the radar, I think, big time. But
2: yeah, the guy who made it was uh, uh, worked with the Coen brothers, and um, I, I forget what he did exactly, but uh, uh, it. it it, it felt at the time, like any any, the studios were willing to do, you know, Fargo was a big hit and they were like, let's do more of this sort of Midwest Minnesota crime stuff. Yeah. And this one didn't spark. Nobody really saw it or cared about it. But, uh, um, but I always, it's got a soft spot in my heart. I always kind of liked it anyway.
1: Me too. And it was like, it was 96. I looked up, he's actually a Canadian screenwriter and he, but I think this is the only one he really directed. Yeah. Um, and he, uh, it had like Vincent D'Onofrio was in, it. and this, this was like D'Onofrio was just on the upswing at that point, like 96. This was probably right before he did like men in black. I think he had yeah. just done that movie where he played, um, uh, the, the author of Conan the barbarian. Um, he played Robert wow, E. Howard right. in a movie with, um, uh, with Nazel Wager. and it's actually a pretty good movie. I think it was called the, um, uh, the whole wide world. Uh, but yeah, uh, that's oh, yeah, movie. Yeah, 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 yeah,
2: yeah, that's yeah
1: pretty good pretty good movie at uh, like a one of there's another one just like feeling minnesota that fell under the radar i bet you like there's tons of people that don't even remember you know a lot of these films but that's that's why we need underrated 1990s movies next time but to wrap this up <laughs> i'm in yeah some other some other songs uh, for me uh that were kind of all over it's not necessarily the top 10 because it's just in a giant spooled mess but um Etta james definitely some the top like i mentioned um Benny King, "Stand By, uh, Stand By Me," I think is up there, uh, would be up there, uh, except that again, it was sort of like, is it a full blown love song? I, I don't know. I, I think it could definitely be construed that way. A song that maybe was edging too close into a breakup song for me was um, Joni Mitchell's "A Case of You," uh, mm. that that even has lyrics that reference a, a, draw, a drawing a map of Canada and then sketching your face on it. So and with the with the lyrics, "Oh Canada." Uh, bill (laughs) i was gonna say is
0: that uh was it about steven stills uh
1: i i I don't think directly but um it's a it's a good song and it i think that uh it's one of those songs that again has sort of the the metaphor uh with a very weird metaphor that i could drink a case of you and still be on my feet so it has a positive thing i guess (laughs) In that same in that same uh, vein, if you will, another one that would, I think, uh, uh, apply, although it's definitely more in the cheesy roll your eyes, is Sarah McLaughlin's Your Love is Better Than Chocolate, <laughs> which I showed uh. it to my kids the other day and they're like, is love better than chocolate or better than ice cream? Your <laughs> love is better than ice cream, but then she goes on to say <laughs> it's better than chocolate, and they were willing to make a concession that maybe it's better than ice cream, but they had a harder time with chocolate. Uh, so, <laughs> but I think their thinking was you provide us chocolate. So therefore your love is better than chocolate. <laughs> oh, <there you> <laughs> so, um, but when uh, you
2: mentioned, I just want to say real quick, when you mentioned uh, 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 drink a case of you as a, yes. as a lyric, right. Uh, it totally reminded me of the replacement song, Valentine, which is a punk song. And since it's punk, it's pretty dark, the, the <laughs> version of love. And he says, uh, if you were a pill, I'd take a handful at my will and I'd chase you back with something cold and sweet or something like that. I forget the oh lyric. Oh, my but. goodness. <laughs> yeah, he wants to OD on her. I <laughs> love that. <laughs> that's upping the ante quite a bit. Yeah. Well, yeah. Some. Uh, Valentine by The Replacement. So there you go. That's my list, too. <laughs>
1: yeah yeah it was it twilight that said you're like my heroine but uh <laughs> i think you know we had a great love story anyway yeah. um what else you know i gotta say you know for all the disco and all the played at weddings and stuff like that the barry white's you know you're my first yeah. my last my everything is an amazing song it's a great song
2: yes <laughs> yes
1: and it's i you gotta gotta give that one credit pat benatar <laughs> was <laughs> like, Love is a Battlefield might not quite make it there, but I think uh, We Belong is an amazing song. I love Pat Benatar, so... I, I, I had to throw some of that in there.
0: I, I thought that was gonna be your number five.
1: It was close. Love, it was it got bumped about. off uh, by all the other cheesy 80s songs that made it in. <laughs> but you know I've like I've seen Pat Benatar live and that was awesome but I I'm not making any um not making any excuses. I wholeheartedly love it uh, A song I love from the 90s that we're, we're talking about all these kind of weird metaphors to love. I love uh, London Rain by Heather Nova. That hmm. uh, nothing heals me like you do. Uh, nothing falls like London Rain. I don't know why. It's just a. It was one of those songs that in the nineties, in the moment I heard it, it, it stuck in my head. It's probably because every other song from nineteen ninety seven came off the uh, City of Angels soundtrack, and I was a little uh, sick and tired yeah. of that. So I think Heather Nova was the you know my my cure at the time. So, um, <laughs> we could probably go on, but I have the, my kids and my wife sent like they just like Jen texted me a few moments ago and said, here are our songs. And so just They didn't do a whole nice. list, but she has hold me, throw me, kiss me by Mel Carter, which I, okay. Oh, that's an old song. Yeah. yeah. And an awesome song. Will you love me tomorrow by Carol King? Yeah. And, uh, this is where it gets funny is my daughter, Izzy, who seven says careless Whisper," Nice. <laughs> and Johnny says, never going to give you up. No, I, I don't yeah, to sure. say I, and then, so I know he's thinking he just rickrolled this, this whole thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah.
2: <laughs> so
1: <laughs>
0: you're, you're never too young for Rick Astley. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's, no, it's
2: true. It's funny. I go ahead. And I will say, even even with the rickrolling and all that stuff, I, I I've always liked that song. So it is the fun again.
1: It's that song. Like you get into it when you're listening to it. It is. Yeah. It, it, the, the other thing is, some of these songs they keep coming back for a reason. Like. There's something to them, whether the the haters want to admit it or not. And uh, I I think
0: that song put his family through university, paid his mortgage.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, when I worked at the uh, the the nightclub uh, when we did '80s night, I can tell you, I played that video all the time. And we didn't call it Rickrolling back then; we just called it the '80s. (laughs) You know.
0: And how much hair product did he have? holy
2: like, cow it was
1: Intense. it was intense and you know to go back to you mentioned the prince version the sineadah connor version um nothing compares as an amazing love song whether or not it has that breakup quality to it it's an am- i think it's a great great love song
2: absolutely it was it honestly i really 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 wanted to put prince on the on on this list and i you know Partly because it's Minneapolis and all that, but but still, I mean, it's Prince. I mean, my yeah. God, and, and I forgot so that he did
1: that done. song too. I forgot that he his version. I
2: actually like his version even more than Sinead's. I like I like Sinead's, but when he died, I mean, yeah, I'm not I'm not afraid to admit that uh, listening to you know that song was just gut wrenching, just gut wrenching.
0: I mean, Purple Rain was a pretty dark song. I don't yeah, know if yeah. you can put that on your list, but <laughs> that's awesome, Nathan. You had gave us more to think about. I've got uh nine or 10 and so I'll whip through one, one that I had on my list, but I didn't because thematically it was too close to some of the others was, I still miss someone by Johnny cash. Oh, nice. About yearning for the one that got away. Yeah. Um, now there's a certain bands where you can just open up their catalog and throw a dart at and pick it. I almost picked Luan by foreigner. Hmm about a guy who couldn't get his high school girlfriend, whatever. But I mean, every one of Foreigner's songs is about love or sex. <laughs> so it, it really is. You know, Them's easy Top and ACDC, you put them in a blender and it's all you're going to get. But I love Foreigner. And Luann is one of their songs that doesn't get a lot of play. One that's kind of an, not exactly a love song, but I wanted to include it was Jolene by Do- Dolly Parton. Oh, yeah. my
1: gosh. That's like my, yeah, my wife uh, would highly approve of that. <laughs> I mean, it's, it is
0: a love song of sorts.
2: Oh yeah. It's... I
0: didn't, I didn't quite think it had enough of the theme to get in the top 10, but she definitely loves her man and is begging the woman, just go on to the next fella. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I guess um, Ruby is love... a love
1: song too with that. that. that wow. Well, <laughs>
0: Ruby is more, <laughs> yeah, that's a, uh, that's a little darker. That's farther down <laughs> that road. That's way darker. Yeah. <laughs> um, a uh, one that's a bit of a perverse. Love song is Roxanne by the police. Sure. <laughs> it's, you know, again, a little further down the road. Yeah. Uh, it just... would
2: Never make my top five, but, uh, um, no. but no. It's, can you, it's...
0: can you think of 48 hours without Eddie Murphy singing that in jail?
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> right, right,
0: right. <laughs> uh, another one that I had written down, Cecilia by Simon and Garfunkel. Oh, I yeah. like
1: that song. That's a good one. Yeah.
0: And the one I would have chosen if it wasn't for the Scorpions for the love ballad. Was I Remember You by Skid Row? Oh yeah, (laughs) I I was gonna. Sebastian Bach still to this day has an amazing voice, and he gets a lot of crap in some in some circles because he went on to Broadway. His voice was good enough to be on Broadway.
1: Yeah, that's the thing. Jealousy,
0: (laughs) jealousy. That's it. The song that I danced with my mom on my wedding was In My Life by the Beatles. Nice, yeah. It's a fantastic tune. The song I, I almost... watched.
2: Uh, I watched Get Back last week. Okay. Uh, oh, the one on uh, uh, Disney. Yeah, yeah. And um, I had to stop my. Actually, maybe it was two weeks ago. Anyway, the point is I had to stop myself from just putting all Beatles songs or songs by John Lennon or, you know. Oh, uh, you Paul could have McCartney. just gone. Yeah, yeah, but I mean. Maybe I'm amazed. To... We could, you know, I mean, yes. endless. You know, I kind of had to stop,
1: too, songs. going down that rabbit And that's an amazing. Yeah. That but, Get Back is amazing. But then.
0: But then you can get into things like, "Well, my guitar gently weeps," is obviously a love song. Yeah. But then you get to get into like "Love, Love Me Do," and like they've got a thousand, like literally. I considered
1: "My Guitar Gently Weeps." Again, I wasn't quite sure where to what to do with it, but it's an amazing song. And
0: at the same time, I, I thought about Layla, but uh, th- again, that's a road that's a little deep and windy. One uh, I almost <laughs> one I almost put it <laughs> yes. long and winding road. There's one <laughs> <laughs> um, I almost put in for my one about a lustful song was love bites by Judas priest. <laughs>
3: nice.
0: You know, when you got that itch, you got to scratch it. That's what that song's all about. Uh, I, the BGs to love somebody I had on my list, uh, Melissa by the almond brothers.
2: Ah, nice. Yeah. Fantastic song.
0: I had one on the other day when I was getting ready for class and it was love struck baby by Stevie Ray Vaughan. Okay. Uh, obviously fits. The Trogs, Love is All Around.
1: I'm a big fan of the yes, Trogs. Yes,
0: yes. I mean, it is a little on the cheesy, sappy side, it's so that's totally why I didn't cool, put it though.
2: on. They, they but, were but, so edgy, though. You know, yeah, it's like they, yeah. they were punk before punk was a word, and, like, so many other songs, even the love songs were just sex songs. So. <laughs> and,
0: and I think somebody covered the song in the 90s, Love is All Around. Somebody did it. But it's, well, it's one of those ones, it'll get stuck in your head. The... Well I fully
2: approve of the trogs uh, of being on this list.
0: <laughs> and the and the last one I have that was my dance song with my wife was Pink Floyd's Wish You Were here. Uh, it's a brilliant song that initially you think isn't a love song, but when you dive into the yeah. lyrics, it is definitely a love song. and i I don't think I have heard, played the song since that day uh, that I got married because it just floods back all the memories. So I've kind of left it at that. Well, I
2: I just wanted to mention one more that I forgot to mention earlier just because at some point I realized we didn't really talk too much about duets, which is such a major thing about love.
0: Barbara Streisand and Neil Diamond, is that where you're going?
2: No, I was going to say my favorite duet that I was going to include, and I was very, very strongly trying to get it on there, and it didn't make the list, obviously, was uh, Then Came You by The Spinners. Yes, that's awesome. Okay, The Spinners is a great band. Yeah.
0: I thought you were going to go with Islands in
1: the Stream.
2: <laughs> no, that's fun to do a karaoke. Wrong ne- with never never make a list. <laughs> Lo- love is
1: all around was also done by Wet, Wet, Wet later, <laughs> which was the <laughs> Wet, Wet, Wet. Okay, but when I think of mind. this, I think of that movie, which not necessarily a great movie, but the sequence was great. Uh, love Actually, where they have Bill Nighy he, and they he's like the washed up rocker, and they want him to sing a Christmas song, so they just take Love is All Around and change the word love to Christmas, and he's so pissed <laughs> off about it. <laughs> <laughs> and, he's a, and they say come That's on funny. and let it snow <laughs> so if you look up the video with bill nye he is the, singing it and he's almost like a he's trying to do like a mick jagger sort of take it's pretty it's pretty hilarious but um <laughs> yeah uh yeah
0: and, and i mean the other one is i didn't have on my list is uh whitney houston's the greatest love of all
1: yeah well yeah
0: <laughs> which but I, I was gonna i was not gonna put that on my and so gentlemen i think that we have done love songs proud i yeah. think we left no stone unturned all eras all sexes all styles all feelings
1: we didn't get the i want to make you sweat but that's okay we a different a different day <laughs> for a different day i love that song i do, so do, fucking... I, do. I, I, <laughs> I had to mention it <laughs>
2: I'm glad you did. I think it's one of the one of the greatest erotic, you know, hit songs that uh, you know, it's just so dirty and so I love it. It's great. It's, it's was more
3: it's about more
1: Dan... forthright than uh uh was it I wanna sex you up? Which, right. Which that one I remember seeing uh when they had the MTV music Awards. I remember they had William Shatner and he had a tambourine and he was doing I Wanna Sex You Up.
2: <laughs> oh Shatner. He's I was one.
0: also thinking of uh Dan Hill's Sometimes when we touch,
2: oh,
0: yeah, the honesty is too much.
2: Well, I, again, I'm a sucker for that 70s, you know, yeah, uh, ballad love, kind of, you know, of, yeah, yeah, the Have yeah. a Nice Day series or whatever. All that stuff. Uh, I, I love the it. one I
0: almost put that makes me laugh is that short Neil Young song, I Wanna Love You Till the Morning Comes. Till the Morning Comes.
2: I, uh, I had a Neil Young pick, uh. See if I can find it. It's an early Neil Young pick. Let me see if I can find it here. Um, it's the early like '60s rocker.
0: Was it like CSNY or Buffalo Springfield?
2: Oh wait, sorry, 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 uh, sorry. I said Neil Young, and I was thinking Neil Diamond. Never mind. No, <laughs> Neil Diamond. Oh. That I I, I With never Quite a distinction that there. It. Well,
1: what was the song? <laughs>
2: I do need to know that now. So. Yeah, you you got to me. Okay. You got to me. Draw me okay. to my
0: knees. If I, if I have to hear one more time, "Cherry, Cherry,"
2: I'm leaving. I don't want to hear. <laughs> I, I do love. I love Neil Young. I love Neil Diamond. I love them both. I know the difference. My, I, don't I, know young, why uh, I he did that.
0: <laughs> my, growing up, my mom had the LPs, so I, I've heard my fair share of "Cherry, Cherry" and yeah. "Brown Eyes Blue." And ugh.
2: speaking about covers, I like Neil Diamond's cover of "Suzanne" too. So everyone covered "Suzanne."
0: Forever in blue jeans. (laughs) We're coming to America today.
2: (laughs) Wow. We have lost the script from the love songs at this point.
0: (laughs) All right. So we've gone down a path we want to get a dead end to. So I think we've got lots of songs to put onto some playlists. Everybody knows those songs they made for their boyfriend or their girlfriend or whomever they're trying to swoon. Or you just like love songs and you popped it in your cassette tape player we've got lots of them for you here so this transitions well when we we when we decided to do this one i kind of had a couple movies in my head and if you recall the halloween episode we each came with one and we kind of discussed them all i thought this time just to kind of get it more focused and so it doesn't elongate the episode we would all focus on one song or one song one movie but it's kind of tough to meld romance with horror or sci-fi. I didn't want to do warm bodies. Uh, I didn't want to do twilight. So I, there's a, not a big list of movies that necessarily would fit according to the theme, but I found one that I adore the uh, directors in this one. You guys are, I've got a big fan fandom for these guys and the movie is spring Directed by Justin Benson and Aaron Moorhead. And in case you don't know who they are, they did movies such as The Endless, Synchronic, Resolution. They have one coming up in 2022, which I can't wait to go see. Something in the Dirt, I think it's called. Yep, Something sure in the dirt. is. Yep. That's the one that you saw with uh, Sundance. So I can't wait to see that. And their movies are very visual. They're very visceral. There is something to the senses. It's never, it, it appears to be a straight ahead story, but it never is a straight ahead story with anything that they do. It's well acted. Everything kind of gets there at the end, but sometimes there's roundabout ways of getting there. Spring is no different. It stars Lou Taylor Pucci, who was in 2013's The Evil Dead. And in 2019, he was in American Horror Story. He was also in the virus film Carriers, which I didn't mind at all. Uh, Nadia Hilker, who was in Allegiant. She was in The Walking Dead. She was in the TV show The 100. Francesco Carneluti, who's in a lot of films that were in Italian, but he was also in The Da Vinci Cold, uh, The Order. He was in that one back in the early 80s, The Winds of War, the TV miniseries. And Nick Naverne, who is in Vendetta and Prime Suspect. It has a a fairly large cast because there's just a lot of characters along the way. But if you like a movie that's a senses film, that's not going to be necessarily a Hollywood written film, I think you're going to dig this. So to dig deep into this film... Mr. Ryan Stockston, why don't you tell us what happens in the film?
2: Yeah, I'll get into the plot for a little bit for you. Um, I just want to make a quick, I just want to mention this, uh, uh, the names that you mentioned. Um, One of the surprises for me was Augie Duke is in this, who isn't a really particularly well-known name, but uh, she's popped up in some other stuff, and I've got a bit of a crush on her. So, (laughs) you know, um, she pops up for about two seconds. not a very... um, uh, it's pretty thankless part. I mean, she, she's basically topless in a, in a sort of unpassionate sex scene that isn't actually a sex scene and that's it. <laughs> but, uh, Hey, I was happy to see her for a second. Um, and
0: you, you got a little bit more than you bargained for.
2: I think, I think I've seen her topless in some other stuff, but yeah, she's topless in the movie. And, and, uh, that, like I said, it was a thankless part. She doesn't do much. Uh, she does the best she can with what she has, but, um, that it's early on in the story. So the story is uh, essentially that um, Lou Taylor Pucci is um, at a crossroads in his life. Um, his mother has just passed away. His father has already passed away. And uh, due to a series of events, uh, he loses his job and the police are looking for him. And so he... Um, he heads to, uh, well, he almost throws a dart at the board at the map, yeah, but he winds up in Italy and he's, uh, he's just doing some soul searching and he wants to go to Italy and find himself and, uh you know, maybe lay low for a while. And, um, and while he's in Italy, he, uh, you know, he's backpacking, he's bouncing around, he's living the hostile, hostile life. And he, uh, he meets his uh, manic pixie dream girl. He meets this beautiful woman, uh, uh, Nadia Hilker. And, uh, you know, he thinks she's the most beautiful woman he's ever seen. And uh, he asks her out and she thinks he's okay. And they, 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 uh, they start a sort of tenuous, uh, sort of uh, bumpy romance. Um, meanwhile, he's uh, living on a farm. So he's learning how to farm in Italy. So that, that, that's sort of a side <laughs> side plot. He's learning Italian through his uh, employer, the farmer who hired him, and he's farming and he's uh, dating this beautiful woman. And it quickly turns out that uh, she's got a secret. And, um, you know, I don't think I'm spoiling anything too much to say that this is sort of, uh, you know, what if your manic pixie dream girl was actually a monster? Um, and that's that's kind of the plot. I mean, I don't want to go too much into where it goes because uh, the... The, the it's a slow movie that it takes its time and the payoff you know if arguably if there is or isn't a payoff depending on if you liked the movie or not uh spoiler alert i didn't like the movie i did not like it <laughs> uh it disappointing to me because it's the first time i didn't like one of their movies but uh i didn't hate it i didn't think it was a terrible movie i just uh, was disappointed by it and didn't didn't, didn't like it but um uh, it does, I think, end n- nicely. It has a nice ending and it has a nice beginning, and uh, it takes its time to get to where it goes.
0: Well danced, Ryan. <laughs> Your ballet is quite astounding, but yeah, you. Hit the points you needed to hit with that while we're purposely leaving some things out because we want you to just discover them.
2: I, I will say that uh, having now hosted 10 episodes of Macon County Movie Club, which is the show that I'm doing on YouTube, uh, I've gotten a little bit better at that sort of synopsis. <laughs> got very used to, all right, got to do this quickly. It was still a little too long for my taste, and if I was editing this for Macon County Movie Club, I'd cut about half of it out. <laughs>
0: But let's just say there's a couple things. One, if you have any squeamishness around needles, this has a few scenes that might make you turn your head a little bit. (laughs) There is a great musical score to this. There's a lot of ambient sounds that come out of it and build it up. It's almost got like they hired an orchestra to just kind of follow the movie around. There's a mystery element. Yeah. And that's all I'll say. There is obviously a romance and anybody who's ever been in a relationship where things don't always go according to plan, this would fit that to a T. My one complaint is at the end I wished something to happen that
2: didn't. Sure. I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. It's but, it's sort of a promised a promise of a payoff that they kind of don't deliver. Uh, But then again, they are very clear that this could go a couple different ways. And you kind of start to hope that it might go one way. Whether it does or not, (laughs) you'll just have to see.
0: I think I enjoyed it a little bit more than Ryan did. But it's up to you, the listener, to decide what you thought of the film. It's got some great shots of Italy. Yeah. Uh, A lot of uh,
2: time spent at cafes and bars and... The location where they shot, right on the ocean, you know, right on the cliffs, you know, it's uh, it's an absolutely gorgeous location. And uh, this was sort of the beginning of drone uh, technology in films, you know, and they made use of it. Boy, they they loved their drone, and they flew that all over that little tiny villa. <laughs>
0: And you do learn a bit about growing oranges and lemons on trees.
2: Yeah, you do.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Nathan, to cut you out. What would you like to add to this? And as a critic at the time when it was released, have have you changed your stance on what you first thought of it? Was this your first viewing of it again?
1: Yeah. And, and full disclosure on this, like when I saw it the first time, uh, I had actually gotten a chance to uh, – the meet not in person but we we had a, a couple calls and actually more like a podcast where we talked to uh, justin benson and aaron uh, moorhead back when they did resolution and it was like a, a couple hours of like talking to him was really cool and so that's the, very
2: cool i i really liked resolution a lot
1: they're really um, cool guys too they like the yeah. kind of sensibility that they give off whether they're these two buddies that just want to keep making movies together that's how they are when you talk very to cool them. they're very like generous very cool people and, uh, and 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 everything I've seen. So when Spring came up, it was another opportunity to uh, interview them and talk to them. And I thought, oh, I'll well, probably only you know it'll just be more like a 15 20 minute thing. They're a little bit you know a little more prominent than they were. It, Spring was their second movie, but I ended up talking to them again for about an hour and a half or something. And it's just a they're very cool guys. I just want to put that up front. It, I saw the movie and made my opinion on it before I had talked to them. But they make movies that are sort of exactly my wheelhouse because they take sci-fi and horror concepts, and I think they really kind of boil them down to this is about people and relationships. And even when their movies are dark, I think they have a certain element where they're not out to they're not cynical filmmakers, I think. Um now you you can you can take that as you want, but uh Resolution was a movie that boiled down to one friend trying to help another through a situation, you know, no matter what. And I think a lot of their other films really come down to movies about friendships or unlikely friendships. And this is the one out of the, the films they've made so far that's sort of the – it's actually the only one that is a love story in terms of a sort of romantic love story. And so yeah. I think in some ways it ends up being a little bit more traditional film than those other movies. I really – like it a lot uh i think it is have it's got the manic pixie dream girl thing going i thought luke taylor Pucci was really good in the film i had seen, seen him uh he he played a wonderful pincushion in evil Dead, but i mean i didn't really get to see a lot of what they people were just constantly stabbing things into him and so it was nice to see uh him being this kind of lead role and the way he develops the character and then where the story goes now i think if, the thing is on one hand the movie right on paper is like well what if david cronenberg made before sunrise i mean that's kind yeah. of like what the movie is and the movie doesn't necessarily stray outside of that path now what i did love about it the location shots are great the 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 orange grove stuff you mentioned bill i kind of really was into all of that i i know that that was there for flavor but the flavor part worked for me their interactions together were great um I think the only limitation there is, I kind of wanted them to have more of a relationship. The problem they have is so big and weird, like it's just really weird. Uh, I think when you get into what's happening, like they get a real science fiction story going at one point, and it kind of doesn't quite like go as far as I wanted it to go. If that makes sense, like they when she yeah. starts explaining the nature of what's going on, what she was trying to do when she first meets him, and I mean, it gets into some strange, creepy territory. Like, uh, and I don't want to say too much more about it. I think the special effects are great for what they have. I think that some of what Bill is talking about, like, hey, I want to see this. I didn't get to see this. I think they do a really smart way of building that into a story so that if you're into this story and if you're into these characters and what's going on with them, then you may root for one thing and still think, oh, I wanted to see the other thing, you know? And so I think they managed to play that in an interesting way, knowing that they probably didn't have the budget to do what everybody wanted them to do uh for me it still works and i think it works really well and i think a lot of it is the chemistry that you get going between these two characters you put them in this place when you get interesting characters that i care about you can do almost anything with them and this movie takes them to a kind of weird place that almost upsets things but doesn't so i think for me they play it off uh they they play this horror story off is that quite as successful i i I wanted her to be a little more prominent. I think that she ends up being part of that is because of the genre dance they do early on where what kind of movie is it exactly we're watching. And so of course uh, Poochie's around for the whole thing. And so I think that she, she could have been more prominent for my taste, but I still really like the movie. I don't, I don't know that it's as strong as some of their other films, but I, I think it's really good. I am curious to hear a uh, Ryan sort of um, the things that disappointed you just to for, for my, my dissenting, yeah, my dissenting my, my dissenting
2: take. Cause I, I definitely had a, a different, uh, uh, opinion to you from for some of what you just said um although a lot of it i agree with there, there's enough here that i liked that i didn't hate every second of it or anything it wasn't like that but um i do think that Aaron Moorhead and Justin Benson are very good at doing sort of like mumblecore genre pictures and this fits into that very well um my problem with it is i feel like the script is so immature i i really uh tend to approach movies from a, a screenwriting point of view and i found I found while the bookends, the opening scene and the closing scene work very nicely, uh, the stuff in the middle was uh, so immature and just so tedious. And I just, I did not think that the characters were likable. I thought that he was basically a misogynist, the Poochie. Uh, um and I, I felt like she was clearly written by a man who doesn't know very many women very well. I think their strong points, uh, those two directors, it, um, they tend, all the films I've seen from them in the past were very bro-centric. They were very, like, they focused on dudes having dude relationships. And, and uh, clearly that is what they're comfortable with. And that's what they're good at. And as soon as you introduce a woman into that, you better give her a good, strong voice and make make her a well written character, especially when she has this many scenes, because she's essentially. I'm watching the movie and I keep thinking, God, there's a lot of like really annoying male gazy stuff in this that I do not like, um, and I kept thinking to myself, this would have been such a great movie if she was the protagonist, if she was the lead, this because it really is. Her story, her story is what's epic. His story is, is sort of crap, I and mean, it's not. He's that, just that another dude. Like yeah, yeah, and it's and it's like okay, okay. We even the setup I found was um, sort of like like there was just so much exposition to try to like explain why he was going. Like it took multiple characters to tell him to his face. You should you should go away. You should go to another country. You should go. And I thought. Well, Man, you're really hitting the nail on the head with the hammer there. Like, 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 there's no subtlety in this this setup. Um, and anyway, it, it was it 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 started out okay for me, but, and I was willing to overlook it because it doesn't have to be perfect. I could still get on board. Um, and indeed, the other movies of theirs that I've seen, I thought also had some rough spots here and there. But but overall, they have great ideas, and they and they tend to you know really make it work. Uh, this one lost me within 30 minutes. And I could never get back on board. I mean, I watched it. I worked really hard to pay attention and, and focus, and I, and I did. But I just ultimately thought that it was a little too misogynistic for my taste. I found myself... um I found myself thinking that that it it was this I can't stand faux profundity like when something is like trying to be sort of like profound and these characters kept speaking that way they kept trying to like say these big profound things and spoiler alert she's supposed to be this immortal you know she's supposed to be this sort of ageless creature and not exactly but that's that's a good way to sort of blanket over it and she um I couldn't, I couldn't see for one second why she would waste any of her time with this guy. Now that there, there is some plot reason why she does, but at a certain point, the movie expects you to kind of root for them to to really fall in love. And why is this ageless creature who should be, I don't know, much more mature <laughs> than than she's written? Why she would fall for this tool? <laughs> I just couldn't see it, and it 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 just it just really doesn't work. And for me. If you, don't, if you don't root for them to fall in love, if you're not enjoying the actual romance that they're having, then there's not a lot in this movie for you. And so uh, they lost me right there. I will say this. They bring up some stuff that I do think is interesting, that I do think is kind of profound and and, and interesting when we're talking about love. And that is they, they talk about, you know, what is love? Is it just a sort of chemical, you know, hormonal misfirings and stuff in our body. They do kind of bring that into it. And I would have liked a little bit more of that stuff. And, and for me, when the movie shined was moments like that, like there is a moment when she sort of tells him that she doesn't love him and she's not in love with him. And, and he says, but you like spending time with me. And she says something like, well, I like the closeness and I like, you know, she's saying these things that like, um, I think we've all experienced. And I, I did like that stuff. So it wasn't all crap. me it just it felt like it needed uh they 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 needed a a a woman's voice that was much stronger than 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 clearly they have amongst themselves um and maybe another pass (laughs) to tighten it up (laughs) but uh again i didn't hate it i gave it four out of out of ten um almost gave it five out of ten but when i thought about it all at the end i thought yeah i disliked it more than i liked it four
0: And that's a, that's a fair criticism. Uh, I don't think you said anything out of turn in your, uh, uh, review of the movie. And, and, again, you know, and that's... I,
2: I really liked, uh, uh, resolution and, uh, uh, the endless. I mean, I thought those were, you know, really compelling, really interesting. And so I think, um, they need to work on writing women characters better. And I think until they do that, uh, until they can get a little better at that, uh, if they stick to dudes, <laughs> it's fine. It works for me. So
0: I think part of it, what kept me in knowing the producer or sorry, the directors, knowing their style, I knew there was something coming. Yeah. So it, that, that kept me to it. I agree that she was a bit a little bit off but I did get a little bit of science out of her and I'm I'm not going to go any further. Yeah. I got a little bit of science. Um, and
1: I I get what Ryan's saying to kind of throw another counterpoint to it only because of the you know sure. the misogynist Again, Maybe I didn't I didn't get a chance to rewatch it but I think for any of us who well, I did find her to be a strong character not as strong as I would have liked. Uh I do agree with the Pucci character that he's he's kind of sketched in we're supposed to uh, which happens with a lot of uh, love stories. We're supposed to think something happens with him that doesn't really, where we don't see it all. You know, There's a lot of transformations in this movie, but his is not really one of them. You know, right. It's sort of implied, and that is kind of where the movie sort of, uh, and again, I'm going off memory of a year or two. I didn't, unfortunately, sure, sure. rewatch it. Well, but and I, I don't disagree I, I'm, that I'm I, curious I about the misogyny because I don't remember enough of it. Like. To, if, it, if it's if it's um well it's on the nose. I don't remember that didn't that wasn't a thing that sort of stuck out to me when I saw the film. I I agree that I would have liked to have seen her be the main character. Uh, I would love to see a movie like this done by say the uh, the director of Titan or Raw. You know, uh, like that kind of perspective is where a film like this I think ultimately that character that she plays would be better in a different kind of story. This is definitely sort of a male centric love story at the end of the
2: day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is fine. I'm okay no. with that. Um in I I think what where where it becomes misogynistic for me is like she endures so many just like I mean, he says and this is partly a maturity thing, but like there's there there there's such 20-something's character, 20-something characters and um it seems like they're written just to be very immature. And maybe that's intentional, maybe not, but it it um I think it's intentional on his part, but it doesn't, you're right. It doesn't make sense on her part. Yeah. It didn't make sense to me on that part. And, and for, for as far as her being a strong character, I, I don't disagree with you on that point, except that I feel like it's, it didn't ring true to me. It felt like she endures these like really kind of like annoying, um, uh, I don't know, like uh, microaggressions from him. Like there's a moment when he's sort of like mansplaining. There's a lot of mansplaining on his point. And there's a, there's a moment where he's sort of like talking about how guys, what guys like are, you know, women that are not too fat and not too thin. And, and, and she sort of like shuffles it off and like, I just don't see why this, the, this, this strong power, she should have shut him up. She should have said you're wrong. You know what I mean? And he should have been impressed by that. He should have liked the fact that she was um, opinionated and disagreed with him and said, you're an idiot. Why, are you? <laughs> you know, or whatever. I mean, that's just one example that just comes to mind, yeah. but there was a lot of that kind of like stuff where I'm, I'm just like, man, I'm just this guy needs to shut up, <laughs> but he's a good actor. I'm not, I, I, I feel like he and Nadia Hilker were both so good that it elevated the script. So my nitpicking yep. on the, well, I don't know if it's nitpicking, but my, my dislike of it is mostly like the words on the page. And um, I feel like they did the best they could with, with a fairly obnoxious set of characters. <laughs> so- the, the other,
0: the other aspect to it that I didn't care for per se is, a character like him, you're supposed to kind of um, emp- emp- have empathy towards. You know, you want to root for the guy. You want to... The guy was a real dick at the bar. Yeah. yeah. And so you're not really rooting for him. Right. Like, and then it's not like he's... it's not like he's fighting off some unjust... No, no. It was justified. The police were after him.
2: Yeah. And, and then he's got this drunken, like, sex scene with Augie Duke where, you know, she's, like, drunk and he's trying to... You know, just be, you know, he's trying to get a sympathy yep. fuck. You know, he's just like, yep, yeah. this is all that's set up. He's like, he's like, well, my mom just died. Well, just fuck me. And she's like, I, I, I'm I, still, I'm too sober for this. And I'm just like, this is gross. I don't, I don't like you. Like, you're not a good character. You're a bad person. And why am I supposed to relate to you? I, I don't. Maybe, maybe if I was 20 years younger, I would relate to it more. But I, 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 that stuff, that was hard for me to come back from. And I never did, you know? Um, I actually, I, I had a lot of respect for
0: her for saying, you know what, I'm not feeling it. I'm out. Yeah,
2: it. yeah, yeah. So you know what, it reminded me. Uh, uh, did you guys see Bellflower? Yes, mm-hmm. um, that was another one I didn't like. That I thought was just this, like, incredibly, like, um, like almost like this, this dorky sort of like um, damaged male ego sort of. Oh thing yeah, there. and I, I actually hated that movie I, for I, all I, the I, reasons that, you're saying. I think, yeah, I, yeah, I, I I liked this a lot more than Bellflower, but I hated Bellflower when it came out, and it made my skin crawl. And halfway through this movie, I was like, "Oh, this kind of is reminding me of that." <laughs> so, but that one's worse. That one's worse. Bellflower's
1: worse. Yeah, I I think I think they're trying to do something that they don't like. There's almost an act of this movie missing in a sense, and and it's the one where we, you know, again, as I mentioned, the transformation we really need to see has nothing to do with her. It has to do with him. You know. We need to yeah. see some, and which I think is supposed to be occurring towards the end here. And maybe because it's kind of off, you know, we, we is finally in this position where he has to be like, there's not enough of a, I'm trying to, to, to say this, like it's what I, we, we've talked all night long and uh, about music uh, and, and, and love the way it's presented in some of those songs. And I've, I've, I've continually said things about love being a feeling versus an action. And I think that there are, the, the crux of a lot of their films are, you know, the love that they show in these movies like resolution and, uh, and then later synchronic and this, you're right. They're kind of like bro love. They're like, they're, they're, they're platonic love that transcends, uh, you know, one's own sense of self, uh, self preservation. And there is supposed to be that happening here. And I think you're right that they, they, I think they've constructed an interesting character,
2: Yes.
1: Uh, arc for Pucci that doesn't ever come down to it, and they've created a really interesting character with her. I she she wasn't uh, yeah, she didn't bother me. I understand what she's saying. The simple fact that she's with him is maybe irritating, but it, I didn't think she was a noxious character. I thought she was very interesting. But um, and I there's a there's a thing that she's doing that makes me wonder about what we've talked about at the immaturity. I don't I can't say too much, yeah. but you know what yeah, I'm talking about. Yeah. I know about. what you mean. There's an element you- of of this and which is maybe the same thing with him he is metaphorically spinning his wheels it's like banging his head into a wall doing the same thing over and over and in a certain uh, there's a uh, it's almost like you know his behaviors are causing him to kind of cannibalize his life over and over and over again like something you know i've got to run i've got to leave and 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 so i think that's what they're going for but i them. And and now that you hear about, it, I'm curious to go back and rewatch it, sort of with the the eyes you're looking at it with. Um, also, the way I would have watched a movie like this in 2014 is very different than you know maybe how I would be sure. watching it or 2015 whenever it came out. Sure, sure, sure. Uh, then I would be watching it now, and some of those things would probably be even more irritating to me. But a movie like Bellflower, uh, to me, was just on the surface, and I have very little, very very little uh, t- time for these sort of like wounded male ego movies. <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah, 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 and I don't yeah. think that they were trying. I don't think they were necessarily in support of of him being that way. I think that they were trying to suggest a path uh, that there is a path to overcome this sort of thing. But it almost becomes a you know all a guy needs is a good woman kind of thing. Right, right. And- well,
0: I, I half expect. I was going to say I half yeah. expected that one scene where Cardellucci said, "Oh, the
1: immigrations are
0: coming," and he takes off. I half expected him to jump on a motorbike like Steve McQueen. Right right, <laughs> right, 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 right. I think the bottom line on this film is whether you mildly like it or you mildly don't like it. There's some missed opportunities. There are some positives to it, and yeah. those depending People on your time see it, frame. For sure. Yeah, you're depending on how you're thinking going into it. Whether you like this style of filmmaking. You know, it, you could you could be it's tragically on the good side, it's tragically on the bad side. There's missed opportunities, or you really were sucked into the story. I think it's one you need to see and you need to make up your own mind on.
1: What's your rating on this one, Bill?
2: Yeah, I'm.
0: I gave this an I, I gave this an eight out of ten. I just like the way they set the scene, but I fully acknowledge that there are lots of plot holes, and you're not going to expect a movie like this to be perfectly. You know, you, you expect a right, lot right. of, you know. But um I enjoyed it more than I didn't. So that's why I gave it. I just like the worlds that Moorhead and Benson take you into. Yeah. But I was I was very happy that they dropped those English drinking buddy guys at the beginning. Oh, oh thank grief. God. Yes. Yeah. They were going nowhere. I was so happy that they, they were
2: reinforcing
1: what you were just talking
2: about. That was the about. other <laughs> yeah yeah that was the other thing with you know it reminded me of Hostel at the beginning and i kept thinking you know one of the things i love about Hostel is that the unlikable dumb americans <laughs> the way they're portrayed um it's very intentional because this is a movie that's trying to be a sort of condemnation of uh that sort of american arrogance you know and um and in this movie, I felt like I was begassed to sympathize with the arrogant American more than I wanted to. And obviously those uh, those English drinking buddies were even worse, but I couldn't help but, but notice that uh, that didn't make the American any better for me. <laughs>
0: and and I, I found it funny when they are at the bar and he didn't initially pick up uh, the girl and they're giving him heck about it when he was just playing it coy and casual. And yeah. she wanted to go get her going. And he was like, "No, no, no, I just want to get you for dinner, have some wine, you know. An interesting take. Uh, so, Ryan, you give it a four. What do you give this one, uh, Nathan?
1: Um, I, I would give this like a 7.5. Like, I, it's up there for me. I think that it's, there's some things that uh, would I would be more interested in seeing maybe how they would handle this material now. Um, I have seen their new movie, uh, Something in the Dirt, uh, which is very interesting and, and uh, goes a little bit of a different direction. Than uh, some other stuff, and I I think it does speak to that they they very strongly do have a stance on this sort of immaturity, on this sort of behavior. And I think what they they do with it in something in the dirt is much more interesting. It's much more uh, pointed, meaning they have something they really are trying to say. I think what happens with spring is they 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 get caught up trying to make kind of two movies and the both movies end up only being about a half i think overall i think the finished film product is pretty good it tells an interesting sci-fi story i think at some point i did get into the sci-fi story of what was going on uh it ramps up in the latter half of the movie so i was paying much more attention to that than i was uh poochie at that point i think as far as his character goes i think he was also giving a strong enough performance that uh You know, a a few things maybe coast over for me. But I I think it's good. I I do uh, highly recommend it. I do think it has uh, a romantic angle. I would have liked to have seen more. uh, In order for it to be a stronger romance, I think we needed to see those characters fleshed out a little bit more. But I think it gets you from where you're going. And it does have a very intriguing ending, I thought, for the kind of movie that it is.
2: Yeah, I actually did like the ending. I know I, I totally get Bill's criticism there and I and a lot of people. Um, I thought the uh, – like I said, I was imp- – just as a writer, I thought the book ending of the opening scene where his mother is dying and the discussion that's happening there and then the final scene, which I'm not going to discuss in depth, yes. you can mirror those two scenes and it's clear that they put some thought into that. And uh, I, I, I really kind of liked that. I thought that that was one of the highlights, but uh, – yeah.
0: So I know that uh, Nathan has talked to the boys and so he can hook up uh, uh, Ryan and we can do some rewrites. <laughs> oh, <yeah. The> thing, <laughs> I think well, they're yeah. upward
1: and onwards.
0: <laughs> so spring two, off to space. These guys are now directing
1: <laughs> no. uh, episodes of Moon Knight. I'm not sure that... Uh, but to their credit, you know, they, they have kind of, you know, they did Synchronic that uh, that had Anthony Mackie and Dorm, Jamie Dorn and, and stuff like that in it. And yet then they their their new movie they're the stars again, and <laughs> they're about the only people mm. in the entire movie. And yet, if you look at them in the endless, and you look at them here, it's like looking at completely different people. I was kind of fascinated. Oh, really? Wow. By they, wow. they find different facets because I'm like, is this gonna, you know, or, or is this gonna be like a hope? You know, like the the Road Two movies now is that you know, uh, are we gonna be able to buy these guys in another movie where they're like friends, but they go a completely different angle? And within about 15 minutes, I was like, oh, these are this isn't at all like these characters from this from this other film, uh, and like mm. these guys that I have interacted with just a little bit. And so um I'm very intrigued with where they're going and and that that they will continue to make these sorts of lower um you know low budget, low key, but full of ideas movies. And I think um yeah. what they've only continued to do since spring is is really like tap into that uh those kind of thoughtful science fiction. And I think again if we were to sit here and break down to you what's happening in spring at the sci-fi level, that's pretty interesting. At least I thought so. Agreed. And I think that Agreed. that's uh it's unfortunate we can't talk about it because in a lot of ways it's what makes the movie kind of almost worth seeing. But again, what it also does is it opens up this entire, uh, you could have an entire book of short story authors write stories about this one character, you know, based on how they set this thing up. And yet she is not given, you know, I, I agree. I would have liked, boom, first scene, where it through her eyes, you know. And, um, but that's the movie that wasn't made. This is the movie that was made. Yeah. And I still think it's a pretty good movie. So
0: I think uh, suffice to say, whether you like horror, sci-fi romance, or just uh, travel movies, there's something here for you at least to pique your interest to watch, whether you love it, whether you dislike it, whether you're kind of in the middle, I think it is a movie that if you haven't seen it, give it a check. Okay. I'm at an eight Ryan's out of four. We're both intelligent men. We just happen to disagree, but oh, it doesn't and, mean that I, I agree with wrong you on that. Right.
2: I agree that people should check it out because I think that there is enough there. And, uh, um, I did I didn't, um, it didn't turn me off from seeing more of their movies. I, I have seen three of their films and, uh, you know, I want to watch more now, but, uh, yeah. I just think that they misstepped here.
0: Yeah, I mean, you could take this into a Lovecraftian way. Yep. Oh yeah, there's go, definitely
2: you know, a lot you,
1: of uh, Lovecraft here.
0: You, you could go, you could go
1: Godzilla way. I like that I was left out of the intelligent men equation. By the way, oh sorry, oh sorry, no, because
0: you're you you were you were more on my side, and he was on the other side. <laughs>
1: we're both intelligent men. i was you, like, damn. Uh, no, no, I'm Nathan, kidding, Nathan, Bill. you are
0: the voice. You no, know, you are the voice of reason. When I go too far off, you rein me back. <laughs> Um, <laughs> we're all intelligent men and we want intelligent men and women to take a look at this film. Yeah. yeah. Alrighty. So I think we've discussed this pretty well. I don't know that there's any, you know, it's weird. I unturned. don't know that
1: any of us said this, but I would definitely say more sci-fi than horror and, uh, and, and fantasy and I, and, and a little more like romance than horror as well. Whether you think that works or not, I think so. Yeah. People who are maybe not high on that, Horror scale. If you are trying to watch this with a, a date or something, I think that uh, horror would not be what a, I wouldn't. I think you can sell it without mentioning too much about the horror. I think the horror is yeah. there, but this is not a horror story in the way that maybe you traditionally think of it.
0: Yeah, no, and any anybody that's you know watched any modicum of uh, horror films, it's not gonna shock you or anything, but it, there is a nice, let's just say, a little twist. Let's just put it that. Way. so Ryan thank you very much for coming on you are a voice that makes us think you're a voice that comes with enthusiasm lots of ideas where can the good listeners find you see you hear you
2: oh yeah well uh everyone should definitely check out Macon County Movie Club which is the um newish show uh that I launched on YouTube last year we'll see if it continues we shot 10 episodes um we had intended to air all 10 of them by christmas but uh holidays stuff got in the way and there are three episodes that are still coming so
0: by you- the way ryan it's a it's a fantastic show i really enjoy watching it
2: thank you i'm glad you i'm glad you very enjoy cool. it very yeah. cool. and and it's a lot of fun those, to make.
0: Who, those who haven't seen it not only at the beginning the premises people come to a party at a, an apartment and there's a theme and they have to bring a physical media copy which i love and there's fun watching people's reaction to it and then the breakdown afterwards.
2: Yeah, yeah. There's, there's always, uh, you know, I make sure to have different hosts and um, it's all my friends. It's not like, uh, it's not manufactured in any way. It's just a bunch of people <laughs> that like watching movies together. And uh, we, you know, we have four hosts with every episode. It's always me and three other hosts. And each of the hosts brings a movie that fits the theme. And then the room, the, the guests that are in the room, they all vote on which movie they want to watch. Then we watch the movie, and then we talk about it after. And just like we just did now, sometimes we disagree and we discuss and we pick it apart, and uh, that's part of the fun of it. Sometimes you watch the episode, and it's sort of exciting to see when you get to the end uh, how many of them actually recommend it to the folks at home, and, and how and many. I love
0: Ryan. Where where do know. they where do they pull out of? the suggestion for the next week
2: (laughs) yes we pull out of the human skull (laughs) i have a i have a it's like a halloween decoration it's a bowl skull bowl i think it's supposed to have halloween candy in it but instead we put uh strips of paper with different themes on them and at the end of the episode we draw and whoever's movie got picked they get to decide out of the four uh themes that we drew they get to decide which which theme we'll do next week
0: And Ryan, if people want to see you in a 7 to 11 minute clip,
2: what are those YouTube reviews they can find you at? Uh, Oh, the uh, Halloween Horror Picks, I'm assuming you mean? Yes. Yes, yes. Yes, Uh, yes, Halloween Horror Picks. I need to do more episodes of that too. That is my horror review show where I recommend Off the Beaten Path horror movies that I love. And uh, we haven't shot any new episodes of that in years. And um, I have a whole season, fifth season lined up. And maybe we'll shoot it this year. <laughs> we'll see.
0: And and Ryan's being modest. He is also an emerging actor. Can you describe the scene involving Bigfoot? Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> yes. I, I am fortunate enough to appear in um, the upcoming <laughs> Amityville Bigfoot, which is as lowbrow as you can be. Uh, Bigfoot kills people with like shitting on them. And I think there's a scene where he lactates (laughs) or she lactates. Um, I'm not hundred percent sure on that, but uh, um, yes, I, I, I spoiler alert, I get killed by Bigfoot and I played a stoner and I don't smoke. I'm not, I'm, I I don't smoke weed. And so um, uh, during pure acting,
1: were you You one of the characters killed by defecation
2: or can you share that? I was not, I was not, (laughs) I do have a, I do have a very specific kill. Uh, which is kind of cool. And um, the other thing I was going to say is that uh, there's a lot of improv on these movies. And so we'll see how it cuts together. Uh, Maybe I will look like a total jackass, and that's fine. (laughs) But while we were doing improv, uh, the actor rolled a real joint and lit it up and started smoking the joint and then handed it to me. And I was confronted with this moment of like, wait, (laughs) I don't actually smoke weed. (laughs) What do do I do? And so... (laughs) I broke character. No,
0: no, just, I was going to say just cut it there. And well, the, the irony stuff, is, I huh? totally
2: broke character just because I was like, oh, I don't actually. And then I was like, wait, the cameras are rolling. So I just took a buff and pretended to drag it in. And uh, um,
1: luckily that wasn't like you didn't break the, the, was it the straw that broke the camel's back. <laughs>
2: You're like, a, <laughs> your
1: life is broken
2: because of Amityville Bigfoot. Or whatever. <laughs> yes. It was the gateway drug that just taken me into. Uh, it's like know, when Kevin cr- Smith went cr- to work
1: on Zach and Mary and was never the same afterwards. <laughs>
0: just, <laughs> so suddenly he enjoys spring a lot yeah. more,
2: uh, but no, it's a, uh, a, uh, Amityville Bigfoot and Amityville Karen will be both coming out this year, and uh, believe me, I am not the reason to watch these movies. These movies are well, going to be ridiculous fun. I just happen to be in them. And
0: uh, well, Ryan, we want the exclusive first interview. You're going to break it here.
2: Yeah, well, there's not there's not a ton I can I can say except that uh, I laughed my ass off on uh, well both, but really on the Bigfoot one. I think that's going to be really something.
0: Well, we we really appreciate you Ryan, the door is always open. We love hearing the Southern California perspective, we like hearing from the movie maker perspective. We love we love just hearing you.
2: Yeah, well, so, I I love doing it. It's it's really fun. I'm glad you guys uh you know keep me in mind and And and, and,
0: and we're, we're going to have to have you on. I want to, I've been bugging Nathan for a while to reboot the VOD roulette right
2: right that sounds up my alley and
0: and, and and where you blindly pick one or you're not so blindly i like to blindly pick them <laughs> off to prime or youtube and just see what happens i gotta say so it was refreshing right
1: too to have like an actual like differing opinion <laughs> like it, i think so many times <laughs> where like everyone's like oh you know it's like you know They're all about the same or whatnot. So it was kind of fun. I
2: I, I know the feeling when we do Macon County movie club, there's a lot of times where, you know, we're all on the same page and, you know, we watch it together. We're, you know, we're, we're in the room together and we watch it. And, and uh, I always kind of like it when, the room fights a little bit. I mean, it's all respectful. We're not yeah. fighting, but you know what I mean? It's not like
1: just... full blown Siskel Niebert here. We didn't go like <laughs> you hat. Ass, ass.
0: Well, I, I remember you, you had one where there was a lot of nudity and violence and the girl's like, yeah, I love it. It's great. I'm like, well, that's supposed to be the opposite perspective. <laughs>
2: well, I'll tell you, um, I think the, um, the final episode, the Christmas episode, I, if I remember correctly, I think there's a lot of, uh, debate, um, we're, we're still editing that episode. The last three episodes are still being edited, so you're going to get Christmas in, uh, in February. But
0: uh, <laughs> and ju- just as an aside, there was a moment there where I was—you could probably hear me laughing. I was hearing the debate of uh, Dave Becker watched Feeders 2.
1: <laughs> I was explaining this to yeah, to...
0: and and Nathan, I was look it was chiming in, and so Ryan, you have to check out Feeders 2. Sleigh Bells.
2: I, I've already added it to my, my watch list based on what I've heard. Bill, I've got a movie for VOD roulette. Don't look anything
1: up about it. Just write it down. Real nope. horror. R-E-E-L. Real
2: horror. Yes. I'm okay. sorry, Bill.
0: <laughs> oh, hey, I've seen probably a lot. If you can sit through the uh, of, of no, Man of Hands of Faith or the <laughs> Creeping Terror. Real horror. Oh, no, I, I sat through Apex...
1: Predators. Dude, you sat Just through more. feeders too. What are you talking about? Dude, well,
2: <laughs> speaking of Apex Predators and uh you said Creeping Terror, right? Yep.
1: yep.
0: Uh
2: speaking of both of those, that what a amazing <laughs> uh I'm my buddy Mike, who happens to be in Apex Predators, he and I have been writing a shark movie, largely because of the experience of him being in apex predators and seeing that movie. And he was like, my God, we could make a better movie than this. <laughs> oh, that
0: was, that was, I mean, as much as I love passion projects and I'll never crap on anybody's artistic vision. Yeah. Yeah. That was a rough I don't one. Know that, about was a real, that was a rough one. <laughs> yeah. There's,
2: there's not, I mean, you know, I, 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 yeah, I, I wanna, yeah, I don't want to, I don't want to kick anyone, no, but uh, no, no, <laughs> no, no. It's, at at least, at little least little you too. got some, <laughs>
0: you got some silly kills, you got a little TNA and you're like, holy cow, how's this movie going to end?" I got that,
2: that movie, that movie is absolutely insulting. The audience's intelligence. intelligent, <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, I mean, it's, it's a ripoff, but, but anyway, um, yeah, my buddy, Mike and I have been working on this, uh, shark movie and we're actually planning to go into production as early as May. I mean, do, do, we, have a,
0: do the, we have a, and do we have, do we have a working title? We do,
2: which is why I can't believe you mentioned the creeping terror in the same, uh, same voice uh, the same sentence uh i told mike when we first started talking about it i was like got we gotta we gotta make a shark that's so bad because we wanted to make a land shark that crawls around in the land <gasps> I was like, it, it should be so bad that it's kind of like the the monster in the creeping terror so the name of the script currently is the creeping shark terror so and i
1: also like it, so many great things going on here because for years um uh, when I was in college, my roommate he all oh, he would see these sci-fi movies come up and he'd be like the one movie that no one has ever made Land Shark Land
2: Shark Land Shark and <laughs> we're he's doing it for years about someone has to make a Land Shark movie and I well about- I w- our first audience member then he'll be uh, waited I mean I look I'm not saying it's gonna be great as Mike likes to say we're gonna make the best bad shark movie you've ever seen and if you could uh, tie in Nazis. Somehow. <laughs>
1: The thing is, I mean, you got a lot of latitude here. I mean.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, anyone who's seen uh, Apex Predators will will think this is a step up and uh, I'm going to be sort of producing, co-producing, and uh, I'm going to be playing one of the main characters and um, uh, we've got a sheriff and that might be me. And we've got a mad scientist. And that may got... also be me. <laughs> yeah, I might be playing every role. <laughs> no, it's hey, Ryan. Uh...
0: As long as you're not the one, I see topless.
2: <laughs> we're, we're definitely going to make sure that uh, you know we have some uh, some beautiful women to look at, and uh, you know, as I talk about uh, misogyny in, in films, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, yes, but it's uh, it's it's um, yeah, it's it's let's h- cross your fingers we'll see it's too early to really say for sure but it looks like we're gonna try to shoot it this summer
0: well thank you ryan so we'll we'll get a hold of you in the fall when you've got like two or three things to promote and it'll just be the ryan show
2: <laughs> great that won't well, be that- as long as this episode because i i can't go on that long <laughs> no no well i see uh, sean well, thank c you. phillips who directed the amityville Kara movie
1: is from baltimore and has like something like 20 movies in pre-production
2: <laughs> yeah 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 no he, he he asked me to come and do the uh i mean look he's he raps, and then a couple weeks later he shoots me an email and says hey do you want to come do this one we're going to be shooting in about a month <laughs> or less two weeks we're shooting and uh i couldn't my car broke down and i i couldn't do uh the next one which is called Woods Witch. <laughs> and by the way none of his movies have come out he's directed like i think this is his Sixth movie? What's oh, yeah, yeah. there's there's very there's ones that's like literally
1: completed, then there's yeah. post production, then there, yeah. and there's like third there's like twelve post productions. Uh yeah. Yeah. Their sons are filming, including uh Slumber Party, Slaughter Party Two. Uh I'd <laughs> yeah. like that there's one he has coming up announced called Pig Boy, he ain't no babe. <laughs> oh
2: he didn't tell me you about let that me one, know if you get called
1: one. he may be an actor in that one because i'm looking at his actor yes credit, gotcha so. is directing yeah he's got like as a director you're right he's got woods witch scream bloody murder amityville shark house and amityville
2: yeah. bigfoot amityville karen is listed as complete so uh yeah cross your fingers amityville karen will be the first one that i'm in and so cross your fingers that that comes out soon
1: we got a great
2: poster for that one. We'll review
1: TV. that one for sure on the show. We'll oh, you got it, oh, the...
2: I, and, and I'll tell you right now, um, I was not prepared. It was like all improv, and uh, the way we sh- I, I was dropped into it. I know we talked about it on the last episode that we did, but uh, it, it's the kind of thing where. Um, I am sure I am absolutely horrible in it and so feel free to just rip me apart and make fun of me it's okay.
0: <laughs> L- literally. Yeah. Well, 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 well
2: let literally. Let, please let's don't let literally kill me. We're, we're not really <laughs> no, no, no. the guys honestly like I I spent years
1: being the critic super critic and I'm just like you know what it's not that I'm, I'm never, I'm never false, but there's a certain point where I'm not going to like kick anybody. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah
2: yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah,
1: Particularly with this kind of a project I've seen, there was a poster of it. I wish I could find it. That it's not the poster that's on IMDb, but there was a great poster that showed the Karen sort of coming towards the screen or whatever the, yes. it, it, like a painted poster looked like something from the eighties. And, uh, I, I was, love that. Poster. I was sold on it then. So me too.
2: I, I think, uh, I think um, Sean's heart is in the right place on these. I think he's trying to have fun and he's trying no. to deliver a, a dumb, fun experience. And um, you know, he's also kind of learning on the job. So um, I think by the time you get to uh Bigfoot um, uh, I'm, cross your fingers, I think that uh, I think that he's going to pull off what he's aiming for. So,
1: well, and you know, I haven't seen many lactating Bigfoot movies, so we can kind of <laughs> end on that <laughs> note. I That's suppose true. if bill's got something else. <laughs>
0: no, I was just going to say, thank you to Ryan. Thank and you. as I said, we will have you on again, whether it be music movies or just shooting the breeze for two hours. That's Look fine. Forward to it. Yeah.
2: It'd be
0: great. And so Nathan, is there anything that it's on the horizon you wanted to promote to mention anything about our podcast or anything else?
1: Uh, you can find us at uh, phantom galaxy at uh phantom galaxy at podbean.com. You can find us on Facebook at phantom galaxy Uh, you can send us an email, phantomcast at gmail.com. Also, head on over to Apple Podcasts. Please leave us a review, preferably a five-star review. Helps get us noticed. And uh, I'd say do that for any of these these podcasts and things that you are a fan of or that you listen to or watch. Uh, Go over, subscribe, and uh, leave reviews. Uh, Because, and again, positive reviews, we don't want you to lie, but these things do help us gain exposure and uh, help, you know, put us in a place to produce more content. So please go over and do that. Oh, it's it, It's been an absolute blast. I think we've done the love theme,
0: true justice. And the other, only other thing I'll say is head over to our Facebook page where we're up to 350 some odd members, which is great. There's a great little interactive community. I'll throw up. Some Just called stories. all of our members odd. Did I say odd? <laughs> I, I, I said creative, creative <laughs> members. But I'll throw up some things. Nathan will throw up some things. Everybody's encouraged to throw up some things. Please tell yeah. your friends. I try not to make it too serious, and uh, have some and fun. if you
1: are somebody who's an aspiring filmmaker, author, music uh, developer, whatever, yep. You know, uh, don't show up and just spam things and leave, but please share, share the things you're working on, share the things that you have. Uh, if you've got links to things, we're more than happy. Just, uh, we just asked too that you just be a part of the community and interact. So it's all there just to yeah. have fun. Yeah.
0: If, if you're a, a comic book writer, a poster creator, somebody who works in soundtracks, what have you behind the scenes, if you're a grip, whatever uh, we would love to hear your point of view and your take on things. So, I think that's pretty much it for Ryan and Nathan. I've been Bill Van Vagel at Strange Frequencies, where the needle drops and the story begins.